Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger, surprising you with new topics every single week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC. And we had some UFC this past weekend, all right? It was a pretty pretty low-key, pretty decent event. Uh, UFC Vegas 82, Brendan Allen versus Paul Craig. Of course, every event has good moments. Um, I go, uh, I went 3-3 three and three on picks. So, um, I mean, 500, you know, it's pretty good, but I was sad when my fires lost, and I was surprised that some of them lost. But uh, we'll be reviewing the entire UFC Vegas 82 card to cap off this episode. Also, going to be going over a number of things today. I mean, my goodness, we just have so much to talk about. As this is just a one-episode um, week, yeah, one-episode week, it's, um, it's, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good weekend. I can already tell um, Thanksgiving coming up this Thursday. I have class tomorrow, Tuesday. Was that November 21st? It's actually one of my friend's birthday Wednesday, but I think Wednesday I'll be going back to see my family, so I don't know if I'll be able to catch him. Um, But yeah, a lot of football this weekend, and uh, we'll be back in a week with another episode, episode 44. I have a cool thumbnail picture for that that I took, but um, I'm always thinking about what thumbnail pictures to take for the Instagram. Um, Maybe I should start putting them on the YouTube too. Honestly, that could be the move. I don't really know. I feel like it'd be a lot of work to try and translate from my phone onto the computer. I don't know. We can work on all of that stuff. But uh, yeah, also on the episode today, recapping week 11 of the NFL. Not too hot on picks. The Vikings lost too, but nonetheless, good moments this week. We're also going to be previewing week 12 of the NFL. That's right, pretty early. Week 11 just ended, so I'm actually going to have to make my week 12 predictions today. I mean, that's pretty crazy to me. I'm going to be going over some UFC stuff, new fights, new announcements, just... Oh my gosh, all stuff, all things UFC. I'm jabbing you with UFC. Talking about the new PFL Bellator uh, exchange and your surprise topic is actually going to be a new installation, which is Movie Monday, where I talk about some movies I've seen during the week. So without a doubt, let's dive into it with some new fight announcements. That's how we kick off every single episode of the Surprise Jab podcast with new fights. And uh, since we last talked, I mean, nothing, none, not too many, I won't lie, not too many, but um, we do have an official uh, main event for February 3rd, um, 2024. It'll be Roman Doladize versus Nazardine Imovov. Roman, of course, the number seven ranked middleweight in the world. Nazardine, number 12. Nazardine Imovov finally getting a big shot. I mean, this guy's, well, how long has he been in the UFC for? I think he's been in here, uh... Since like 2020 or something, I'm trying to see, yeah, 2020, he made his debut, um, he's got some wins over, uh, who's he have some wins over, Edmund Shabazian, Joaquin Buckley, uh, he actually lost to Sean Strickland earlier this year, and then had an unfortunate incident with Chris Curtis, where, uh, it was like a no contest or something, I don't know, but Nazardine, super talented, 12-4 and four with 7 First round finishes, he's finished nine of his 12 wins. Nazardine's a guy that uh, is on the come up in the middleweight division. His opponent, Roman Doladize, 12 and 2, seven first round finishes, 10 of his 12 fights he's finished. I mean, he's coming off of a unfortunate loss against uh, Marvin Vittori, which is going to be his only fight of the year, unfortunately. Roman joined the UFC in 2020 as well. I'd say some of his biggest wins, I mean, he beat Kyle Dawkins, Phil Haas, Jack Hermanson, probably been his biggest one. That Jack Hermanson one was pretty impressive, and I actually thought he beat Marvin Vittori, so um, yeah. Roman Doladize, Nazanimov, going to be a good fight on the February 3rd event of 2024. Maybe, maybe in Minnesota? Maybe it could be in Minnesota, you never know. This one's interesting. Now, these are two unknown guys, 
All right, let me just throw that out there. These are two unknown guys, but they have some history. So we have Edgar Cherez will be taking on Daniel Lacerda at a, on the February 24th event in the UFC. I don't know who's, who's going to be fighting on that, but um, nonetheless, it'll be happening. But Edgar Cherez versus Daniel Lacerda. This is like the third or fourth time this fight has been booked. This has been one of the most controversial, controversial fights of just been going on. So first off, um, Edgar Cherez, all right, win is a pretty good fighter, all right, you know, good outside of the UFC, debuts earlier this year in July, and loses, all right, he loses pretty tough, loses to Tetsuro Taira, but looks pretty good, he then gets a fight booked against Daniel Lacerda, UFC fight night, um, I think it was the UFC Noche event, actually, and basically, he had um, Edgar, Edgar Cherez had Daniel Lacerda in a standing guillotine hold, like basically a yeah, standing guillotine, and it looked like Daniel was out, but it turns out he wasn't, so the fight was ruled in no contest. They rebook it in October, and I don't know what happened. I don't know, do they have details or anything? Um, Daniel Lacerda had a medical issue. All right, that's what it was. So Daniel Lacerda misses out on the fight. Edgar Cherez is just calling for him, man. These two do not like each other. And Daniel Lacerda, might I add, I don't know how he's in the UFC, all right? This guy debuts in 2021, gets finished in round number two, all right? Second fight, gets finished in round number one. Next fight, gets finished in round number one. His next fight, gets finished in round number two. So he's 0-4. He's been finished in either round one or two. He should have that should be a win for Edgar Cherez if I'm not lying. He then ducks him with a medical issue. I mean, this is just comedy at its finest. Um, that who knows if that fight's ever gonna happen, but if it does, I will definitely be riding with um Edgar Cherez. Last fight announced yesterday, Victor Alteri Murian. Altamirano, Altamirano, I think that's what it is, Victor, Altamirano, it sounds right, sounds right, I like the little accent, takes on Felipe Dos Santos on the February 24th episode, apparently Mexico is the targeted location for that, Victor is 12-3 and professionally, 2-2 two and two in the UFC, um, biggest UFC win is actually over Daniel Lacerda, who we just mentioned, so pretty interesting there, as for Felipe Dos Santos, 7-1, and one, suffered his first defeat in the UFC earlier this year, um, no real notable wins, but, uh, he did win a fight of the night and the fight he lost. So pretty impressive stuff there. We'll be seeing all those people in action later on. But other than that, no big fights being announced. Um, you know, of course the UFC Shanghai event we've already mentioned will be coming to, uh, Las Vegas for, um, the December 9th, which is probably just gonna be a lame fight night, but, um, we'll be looking forward to that December 2nd card in Austin, Texas. We'll, uh, we'll mention that later on when we go over, uh, UFC Vegas 82. And as always, as uh, another installment we do is we check on the NBA and the NHL. We just look at how the teams are doing, how they're performing as the year continues to roll on. So in the Eastern Conference and the NBA, the Celtics are atop, and they may actually be the best team in the league. They are the best team in the league, 11-2, six-game win streak. They're actually 10-1 in the Eastern Conference. That's crazy impressive. Um, actually, one of their only losses is to the Timberwolves, might I add. Uh, yeah, Jason Tatum doing his thing. Jalen Brown doing his thing. The Celtics, they're a good team. 76ers are 10-3. and three. Bucks are 9-4 and four doing their thing. Heat, 8-5. and five. Magic and Knicks also both 8-5. and five. Pretty impressive. Uh, my Bulls, not my Bulls, my my family's Bulls. I guess they're from Chicago, 5-9. And, and a shout to the Pistons, the worst team in the league, 2-12, 11-game win streak. 
a losing streak, 11 game losing streak, absolutely abysmal. Wizards 2 and 10, also terrible. Hornets at 3 and 9, LaMelo, what is your team doing? What is your team doing, LaMelo? Not looking good down there at all. Um, but yeah, Eastern Conference, I don't really care about. I'm all about the West, where the Minnesota Timberwolves, with a record of 9-3, and three, are the top team in the West. Incredible. Incredible. Someone's got to take a pick of this. 12 games in, Timberwolves are the number one team in the league. I don't know if we'll ever see that statistic again, but I'm going to ride with it. All right, we're 5-0 and oh at home. All right, 8-2 and two are our last 10, coming off a win over the Pelicans, I think it was the other day. Crazy impressive stuff. The only team in the West to uh, 10 wins, the Thunder, 10-4 and four in second place on a five-game win streak. Chet Holmgren's been looking good. Josh Giddey's been looking good. The team itself has just been looking good. Thunder, a bunch of young bucks slinging it. And three of the Nuggets, of course, Nikola Jokic, an absolute killer. And in fourth place, the Kings, six-game win streak. DeMontis Sabonis has been killing it. Darren Fox has been killing it. Buddy Hill's been killing it. I mean, this Kings team, underrated. Mavericks, 9-5. Luka, not been able to string some wins together. They're on a two-game losing streak. Um, yeah, just been an interesting, interesting thing. And the Warriors are actually on a six-game losing streak. They're now down to 10th. It's crazy. Spurs, eight-game losing streak um, in 15th place. Trailblazers, 3-10 uh, and 10 as well. Seven-game losing streak. Grizzlies, 3-10. and 10. Crazy start to the NBA season. I don't know what's going to happen. It's still too early. I'm going to need at least... Gosh, I don't even know, 50, 40 to 50 games in for me to actually tell what is going to happen in the NBA. But the Timberwolves are hot right now, and I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Checking out the uh, NHL real quick. I mean, uh, Bruins, 13, 13 wins, one loss. They, they've been looking great. Um, actually, this they aren't showing me OT losses here. They aren't showing me OT losses. Let me actually find a different a different statistic. Um, Bing, Microsoft Bing is not reliable. Can I just say that? Can I just say that that Google is actually way more reliable of a search engine? If you're looking for a search engine, do not use Microsoft Bing. They they have outdated data. I won't lie. As I was just saying, Bruins they're 13 and one with two overtime losses, so they have three losses overall. They've been looking great. Two game winning streak. Um, this is in the Atlantic Division. Canadians' worst team in that division, seven, nine, and two. So seven and eleven, pretty uh, eleven losses. That is four-game losing streak. Maple Leafs on a little four-game heater. Panthers are eleven, five, and one in the Metropolitan Division. The Rangers twelve, two, and one, only three losses, a little four-game win streak. Flyers are ten, seven, and one on a five-game win streak. Blue Jackets four, eleven, and four. Nine-game losing streak. That's incredible. That is just, wow. They suck. They suck. That's all you can say. They're a bad, bad team. Now, no offense. No offense to Blue Jackets. But, I mean, come on. Who wants to live in Columbus, Ohio? Maybe LeBron does. Yes, maybe that's where LeBron's from. In the Central Division in the Western Conference, uh, wild. Five-game losing streak. Five, eight, and four. We suck. We suck. We are absolutely terrible. We've only won two games of our last ten played. Wow. Stars, though, 11-4-1. They've been looking good. Avalanche and Jets, 11-5-0, three-game win streak for each. Blackhawks, 5-11. Never been to a, never lost an OT yet. They're on a four-game losing streak, though. Connor Bedard, step up. In the Pacific Division, Golden Knights, 13-4-2, looking good. Canucks, 12-5-1. Kings, 10-3-3. Yeah, looking good there. Sharks, worst team in the league, 3-13-1. But you know what? They did get a win their last time out, so good for them. I don't know too much about hockey. I know more about the NBA than I do about the uh, NHL. But nonetheless, it's always nice to look, see what's going on in the, the leagues. And I mean, I heard the Wild actually played in Sweden. They played in Sweden the other day. That's pretty That's pretty neat. Sweden's one of those countries where 
I'd honestly want to visit. I'd actually want to visit the um, Sweden and just see see what's like. Any of those Eastern European countries, they have such beautiful scenery. The folks seem to be nice. I mean, just uh, good vibes over there in Europe, from what I can tell, and parts of Europe. I don't know about all of Europe. And one of the big um, big news lately, we're switching back over to the MMA world, is that the PFL, so if no one knows who the PFL is, the Professional Fighters League, they, uh, they're they actually acquiring Bellator. Bellator is uh, basically like uh, a step down from UFC. You know, it's like a rival promotion. But um, yeah, it's a huge merger. I don't know too much about the deals um, that I know that there's been, they've been releasing all the... Um, all the info about it, but yes, the Professional Fighters League um, are acquiring Bellator, and it's just massive. It's actually just been a massive, massive. Um, it was all it was all about stock too. Apparently, um, the PFL's acquisition of Bellator was a stock deal, and actually Paramount. That's right, Paramount, who makes movies, is now a small minority owner of the PFL. Um, absolutely crazy. This deal was actually finalized Saturday, but was released this morning. It's that's pretty crazy. I won't lie. The PFL is on the come up. They've signed so many other UFC fighters. I mean, Tiago Santos, Christoph Jocko, Derek Brunson have all signed there. Mario Medoff, they've all signed there. And Bellator, I mean, Michael Chandler, he used to find Bellator. I mean, Bellator used to be a very popular uh, promotion. It's since fallen off tremendously. UFC dominates the market. It's not a monopoly, but uh, it's turning into a monopoly. I won't lie. PFL acquiring Bellator. Now, they will be both under... Um, Different banners like Bellator the itself, the name won't go away, but the ownership is all under PFL now. But apparently, they're trying to work on a PFL versus Bellator champions card. You know, some of the great champions. AJ McKee from Bellator, you got... Oh, gosh. See, I don't really know the names of their fighters too much. If I see them, I might recognize their names. But the PFL championships actually go down this Friday in uh, at Madison Square Garden. I think, I think it is pretty odd to have it on this Friday. I mean, Black Friday. I don't know about it. But, yeah. PFL World Championships. Uh, you got Josh uh, Josh Silvera versus Impa Kansangana. Impa Kansangana actually used to fight in the UFC. I think that's for the light heavyweight championship. Um, Gabriel Braga versus Jesus Benedo for the lightweight Sabado Sai versus Magomed Magomed Karimanov. I love that name, by the way. Magomed Magomed Karimov. Wow, that is just quite the name. I think that's for the welterweight. Kayla Harrison, one of the top women fighters in the world globally. She'll be back taking on Julia Budd. She fights at women's featherweight, so 145 pounds. Uh, you got Larissa Pacheco versus Marina Makratina for the women's featherweight championship. Dennis Goldstaff versus Hedden Ferrara for the uh, men's men's heavyweight championship. And Hedden Ferrara has actually been someone to keep your uh, eyes out, ears open for, whatever. Uh, just keep your keep his name on your radars. He might be taking on Francis Ngannou in an MMA match. We'll get to him in a second. And the main event is Oliver Abbey and Mercier and Clay Collar, both former UFC fighters who will be fighting for the men's lightweight championship. And, of course, every winner gets a belt and they get a um, a million dollar check, so they become millionaires. Pretty pretty incredible stuff. But yeah, speaking of Francis and Ganu, apparently him and Deontay Wilder are in talks next year in 2024 to do a sort of mixed rules matchup for MMA and boxing. I'm thinking it could be like when um, Demetrius Johnson took on Rod Tang. Rod Tang, a legendary kickboxer. Demetrius Johnson, one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time, greatest flyweight of all time. Uh, killing it over in the one championship. Um, that's another MMA promotion. And they did like um, 
one round was kickboxing, the other round MMA. And uh, I think that could be the case where one round boxing, one round uh, MMA for Francis Ngannou and Deontay Wilder. And as always, I favor the MMA guys when they throw the leg kicks, when they take it to the ground. It's just such an, such an impact. It's such an impact. Now, and after what Francis Ngannou did, did to Tyson Fury, I don't see anyone beating this guy. I don't see anyone in the PFL that could beat this guy. The only people I see contending with Francis Ngannou are John Jones. Cyril Gaon, uh, Tom Aspinall, guys like that. Those those are the type of guys that I see comp- competing with Francis Ngannou. But man, um, I wasn't too big of a fan of Francis Ngannou when he left, but I like the guy now. He's he's just a good guy. He's just a really good guy, and he's being spontaneous. Let me just tell you, I love spontaneous things. All right, Francis leaving, trying to make some more money in other promotions, going to Saudi Arabia to do stuff. I mean, it's just been so inspiring. You know, I always try and do something spontaneous every day. You know, I uh, I think Saturday we went to the bars. You know, I went out with my buddy. That was pretty fun. Saw a bunch of people I know. Yesterday, I guess watching the Vikings game was spontaneous. And I mean, today, I don't really think I've done anything too spontaneous. Saw one of my buddies at the gym. You know, recording, recording a podcast is honestly pretty spontaneous. It's something I didn't do a year ago, a year ago. A year ago, I might have been sitting in the exact same seat I'm sitting now, but I wasn't not as good as I was in life right now. I mean, I'm much better off um, with prioritizing like important things like classes and doing this podcast. It's a fun little side gig. And there's also, it's this podcast has already reached a stage for me personally where I can't remember what I did before it. Like, I, I just didn't do this. But uh, we've been in a rhythm since July. We bump out an episode every single week, usually two, but um, usually I don't win. There's not a year. Especially I'm going on, like, I'm going home this weekend, and I'm going to want to see my family, see my girlfriend, see my grandpa, my cousin. Um, so it's going to be super fun. But, um, yeah, usually when there isn't UFC event on that Saturday, on then a Saturday, I usually only do one episode for the week. I should work on getting more guests on. I honestly should. It's kind of hard because I literally just have my laptop and my freaking mic. And that's that's the setup. And my previous guests, you know, it's been fun. The audio quality is not as perfect as I would like. But I'm thinking maybe for episode 50, because episode 50 will be a pretty big episode. I should try and plan a bunch of stuff for that. That's probably going down actually over winter break. So I'll have to see. I'll have to see when that aligns. Because if that aligns with UFC 296, that could be pretty massive. Actually, I should check on that. Because UFC 296, the last big uh, pay per view of the year for the UFC. My, I mean, and all we talk about is the UFC. That's kind of like, that's kind of the creation of this. So if I'm only doing one episode this week, all right, next weekend we'll be doing 44 and 45. Uh, the second week of December, 46, 47. Then the next week, 47, oh, 48, 49. Okay, so it's looking like episode 50 might be directly after. It might be the post UFC 296 show. So I could try and plan some big things for that. And I always think I could just clip audios together. Like I don't have to record all this in one place. But um, I don't know. That's all stuff we can work on. And we're always trying to improve and add new things to the podcast. And guess what we're adding? We're adding a new installation. That's right. We're adding a brand new installation Every Monday, because I mean, pretty much you're guaranteed an, an episode every Monday. There's just, there really isn't a world where there isn't an episode on a Monday. Sometimes it's on like a Tuesday or Wednesday. But um, in this case, we're on a Monday. So every Monday episode, we're going to do Movie Monday. That's right, a creative title, uh, a unique title, Movie Monday, where I review a movie that I've seen during the weeks between episodes on a Monday. And um, for this first installation, we actually have two movies. We have two movies. One I saw for the first time and one I rewatched. So 
let's talk about them because uh, you know I'm a big movie guy. I like movies. I like TV shows just as much as I like watching sports and you know going out hanging with people. You know, it's fun to sit back and watch a movie and just enjoy it. So without doubt, I watched uh, two movies. I don't even remember what days I watched them. I think it might have been Sunday I watched one, Saturday and Friday I watched another. But um, one of those was Blade Runner 2049. It was the first time I had seen it. A very good movie. This movie came out in 2017. It stars Ryan Gosling. Um, what's his face? Harrison Ford is also in it. Ar- Arna de Armas is also in it. I mean, it is it is a really good cast. I mean, you actually also have Jared Leto in there, David Batista. I mean, it is a great, it was a great, great cast. That was one. It's one of my. It's one of my very good movies that I've seen probably for the year. And it's, I mean, what, it's been six years since it came out. I'm a big Ryan Gosling guy, so, you know, I love watching Ryan Gosling movies. Um, I know it's based off of, um, they made a movie in uh, uh, 1982, I think, called Blade Runner. I don't know, um, did Harrison Ford star in that? Blade Runner, the, yes, Harrison Ford did star in it. Okay, so this was a sequel that's pretty. That's pretty unique. It's directed by Ridley Scott. Oh, so very good, very good director there. But yeah, basically the plot for Blade Runner is like Ryan Gosling is like these bioengineered humans. They're called like replicants or something or whatever. Um, they're basically all serial numbers and they're basically like real people, but they're like bioengineered. So I think it's just a lab made human. You know, they don't necessarily have a soul. And basically, you know, uh, Ryan Gosling is trying to uncover this plot for. Um, He's basically, he's a cop, he's a detective, as always, and he's uncovering this plot about, like, this kid they're trying to find who was born from two bioengineered humans, or, like, one was a Blade Runner, I think Harrison Ford's a Blade Runner, it's set in, like, the dystopian future of the United States or whatever, and uh, I'll, I'll drop a spoiler alert right now if no one wants to know the, the plot, fast forward a bit, honestly, that's, this is one of those times where I remember I gotta add, uh, like, um, what is it, not subtitles, but I gotta add points on the video about where things happen, I really gotta get to that, but, um, Anyways, basically, he finds that he thinks that he's the child. Uh, Ryan Gosling thinks he's the child that was uh, created, and he's trying to figure out who it is. And it turns out that it's Harrison Ford's uh, child. You know, um, that's a big reveal. First off, first off, there's a dog with Harrison Ford because Harrison Ford lives in like this giant. Uh, an abandoned hotel with a dog and we never find out what happens to the dog i know they didn't kill it but i hope they didn't leave it behind in like the dystopian city or whatever so that's a point that i don't think is ever touched on in the movie i need to get to the bottom of that ryan gosling what happened to the dog in that movie but um basically yeah he's trying to figure out what happens and it turns out that ryan gosling finds out the end that he's not the child that's sort of he's been on this whole journey thinking he's something special and he's not he's just an average guy but the movie ends with him finally resting finally maybe even achieving a purpose or whatever and Harrison Ford gets to be reunited with his daughter who's um it was a mother character that was introduced in the film and Andy Armist she's like Ryan Gosling's girlfriend or wife but she's not real she's just like this created like how do I describe it? like VR like but she's not like a VR she's like a projection or whatever, like from projectors and stuff. It's super. It's a super good movie. It really makes you think. Really makes you think about life and stuff. And I was like, I was like movies like that. What it, it actually makes you think. It actually makes you contemplate the things that you're uh, watching. And this movie won tons of awards, especially for um, its visuals. It was one of the best visual movies I've seen. There's just so many good shots during it. Just of the. What am I trying to? What am I trying to think of the word? I'm trying to think of the word. Um. 
not like it's like the coloring i'd say maybe even like the not even like nature it's like nature i'm trying to think of that but it's not nature i'm struggling with it but yes just very good visual movie the acting super good and um yes it's just a very enjoyable movie some weird some weird scenes obviously it's a dystopian movie but um other than that very very much enjoyed blade runner 2049 my other movie that I saw, I mean, I was just on the Ryan Gosling train, and I, I mean, I just love Ryan Gosling movies. I really got ranked my top 10. I've been saying that for so long that I'm going to rank my top 10 Ryan Gosling movies, but I still have not seen enough, so we'll, we'll get there, but um, just, just give me a bit. Just give me a bit. Other movie I saw, La La Land. This is one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. came out in 2016. It's like a romantic musical film. That's how it's described here. Um, it was the stars Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, and this movie is just—I don't know what it is about it, but it just touches me. It just touches me. It's just—it's—it's it's just so real, and it's like you get to the end of the movie, and you're like, I understand the title. You know, I'm not even gonna mention like the ending or the plot or anything, just because even if, even if like you've—this is just such a movie that I feel like everyone needs to see. And, you know, obviously they got their like um, that they break out into song occasionally and dance, but it sounds like it works for the movie. I feel it looks good. I mean, they won, there were so many awards for this movie. Can I, can I see the uh, awards that were given out? I know it won best picture at the Oscars, but um, I'm trying to think. I can't find it. But yeah, Ryan Gosling's in it, Emma Stone. I mean, talk about two amazing leads. John Legend's in it. J.K. Simmons is in it. And J.K. Simmons is in a minor role in this film, which is just super weird because J.K. Simmons is a legend, legend of the business. Um, great soundtrack, box office. Yeah, good box office. All right, very good box office. $472 million worldwide, so it came out to a 68.25 net profit of the movie. Pretty good, and that's after, like, paying everyone, too. So, I mean, just uh, Critics, Tricks, Choice Awards won a lot. Um, yeah, so it won Best Picture, and that's all I'm getting. That's all I'm getting. So I have, I have no idea. I actually have no idea what awards we're giving. I know Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling both won Oscars. Maybe it was just, actually, it might have just been Emma Stone, actually, that won it. I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling now, but just yeah, super good movie. I'll say um, it really makes you think. And when you get to the end, you don't feel satisfied at the end, but you do. It's one of those weird feelings. And I like when movies give you those weird feelings. It's, just, it's so good, so satisfying when you get to end a movie and you're like, wow. That was a great movie. I, I want other people to watch that movie and appreciate it as much as I did. So that's a movie I could rewatch over and over again and always hope for a different ending. But I'll never, sadly, get it. It is, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. Swinging back over into the UFC realm of things. I mean, we talk about surprise things like movies. Then we go back to our jabbing of UFC knowledge and stuff just to keep you all updated on what goes down in the UFC world. So... We have a bunch of upcoming UFC championship bouts. As of right now, there are six, six confirmed championship bouts between December and, what are we, in March? I think it's March. Yeah, I think between March, there's also, um, yeah, I think because Sean Malley, yeah, so there are six title fights that are confirmed heading into the new year, also to round out this year, 2023, and those being at UFC 296, you have a flyweight championship bout between Alexander Pantoa and Brandon Royval. And a welterweight championship main event between Leon Edwards and Colby Covington. Two big ones to round out this year. And we go into 2024 at UFC 297 in Toronto, Canada. Sean Strickland versus Driscus Duplessis for the middleweight championship. As well, I believe you're going to have 
Um, actually, no. Actually, I don't know. Is Hawkwell Pennington and Myro Bunnell Silva for the Vacant Women's Bantamweight Championship at UFC 297 or 298? It's, it's at one of those. It doesn't really matter. No one cares about the Women's Bantamweight division. So um, who knows when that fight's going on. But it's happening either in uh, February or January. In February, at UFC 298, featherweight championship, Alexander Volkanovsky, Ito Pura. That's a massive one. And in March, UFC 299, the... Uh, the appetizer, the pre-show, the pre the pre-pay-per-view before the big UFC 300, Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera. And I mean, UFC 300 is going to be massive. Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera, a perfect way to get you pumped with a good pay-per-view beforehand. So we're actually going to go through and uh, talk about all six of those fights and just kind of give kind of give an analysis about what, what some of the experts have been saying about favorability for the champion you know so this it's it's basically just on like a a, a minus 0.5 scale so you know the max score is um 0.5 the max score is 0.5 so basically they just use ai they just run data they use fight metric which is a scoring system which is pretty cool and so ESPN did this, and here are the totals, or here are the f- matchup favorability for the champ. So for Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington, it is a minus .06 for Leon Edwards. Some of the uh, some of the interesting things, what's slightly unfavorable for Leon Edwards. So I mean, two wins over Kamaru Usman have been the highlight, highlight of Leon Edwards' career. Those have been his last two fights. All right, and by the way, Colby Covington fought Kamaru Usman twice, couldn't beat him. Leon did it. It's pretty crazy. But co- uh, here's the thing: Colby Covington actually outpaces Leon Edwards two to one in striking, and in the grappling is clearly going to be Colby Covington's uh, department. That's all he's going to want to do. So I mean, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting fight for Leon Edwards because he is someone in Kamaru Usman. Who is, you know, obviously Kamaru Usman can grapple, but it Kobe Covington is very good at grappling. I think he's, I honestly believe he's better than Kamaru Usman at grappling. Um, the betting line right now is over under 3.5 rounds. I really like that over. I think if the fight's going to be finished, it's going to be in round five or round four. Um, but yeah, Leon Edwards, he's going to have to fend off the high pace, the relentless, the relentless wrestling of Colby Covington. He, he just, he's good at control. That's the thing. You know, there's some guys like Murab Dovashelli who are good at pace, but not so much at control. Colby's good at both of those. So um, this, this is going to be a later round fight. If we're going to see a finish, the first few rounds will just be feeling out probably a, I don't know, just a feeling out process. I know they're both very durable. Colby Covington's very durable, but um, Leon Edwards could 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 piece him up on the feet, but it's going to be a lot of takedown defending. I'm, I'm a Colby Covington fan. I think Colby Covington can outgrapple Leon, and that's where he can win. I think this is Colby Covington's last shot at a belt, so I'm really, really hoping that he can get it done, but um, yeah, should be an interesting fight going down in the main event in December. And the co-main event on that uh, card is Alexander Pantoja versus Brandon Royval. The fight metric system gives it a plus .02, so just barely favorable for the champion. This is a bit surprising to me. I won't lie, this is a bit surprising, given that Alexander Pantoja, like not even two years ago, beat Brandon Royval. All right, he submitted him in round number two. And Brandon Royval hasn't even faced champion-level talent, but he is an elite finisher. I mean, Royville's knockdown rate is above average. I mean, he's always knocking down opponents, submitting them. Good on the feet, good on the ground. But Alexander Pantoja, I just feel, is better. Better than um, Brandon Royval in every regard. And even though Pantoja has kind of like loose striking defense, I mean, Brandon Moreno was touching him up. 
Um, it's going to be an uphill battle for Brandon Royval, nonetheless. So I honestly, I think this should be a bit higher. I think I really like Pintoa's chances. I underestimated him his last fight out. I'm not doing it this time. I am picking Alexander Pintoa to finish Royval probably in round two again. I really like that. Um, the betting line, by the way, Pantoa is a minus 260 favorite, all right? A minus 260 favorite. I kind of like it, but, um, you know, he did just dethrone Brandon Moreno. He's already beaten Brandon Royval. I mean, he's on a win streak. I, I don't know. I feel like it should be a bit higher. You know, Royval, he, he's a tough opponent, but, uh, you know, he's reckless. He's reckless, and um, he's been submitted before by Alexander Pantoa. So I'm going with Pantoa in this one, but... um. Yeah, I just I have nothing nothing more to say. It just it doesn't. I just don't see Brandon Rivell winning. That's all I can say. Let's head into a January January twentieth, twenty twenty four UFC two ninety seven. Sean Strickland taking on Driscus Duplessis minus point zero one, just barely unfavorable for Sean Strickland in this matchup. And Sean Strickland, he's a great striker. That's Sean Strickland's strong suit. But he doesn't necessarily have knock knockout power. All right, now, let's talk about his two biggest finishes. As of late, he beat Brendan Allen, who just won this weekend. Finished him in round two with strikes. You know, even though he knocked him down, he didn't knock him out. Same with Izzy. Dropped him in round one, but never really knocked him out. As for Driscus Duplessis, he's got knockout power. Driscus Duplessis has knockout power. I mean, we saw that against Robert Wicker. If the fight hadn't been stopped, he would have knocked him out. He's knocked out other guys. Um, trying to think of Marcus Perez. Yes, he's fought him. He knocked him out. And there's uh, earlier days of UFC. Um, what's his freaking face? Derek Brunson was about to get knocked out before the fight stopped. Um, um, but the, the the good part for Sean Strickland is that Driscus Duplessis has very loose defense. He gets touched. All right. So if Sean Strickland's going to land a big shot on anyone and knock him out, Driscus Duplessis is probably the guy. Both of these guys are probably going to eat a lot of punches. I won't lie, but Driscus Duplessis will probably mix in his ground game here. He has a good ground game. Sean Strickland, good at grappling himself, but we haven't seen it yet. It's sort of that Justin Gaethje scenario where Justin Gaethje is a credentialed wrestler, but just never uses it. So we'll see what happens once they start fighting. Um, Betters are leaning on Sean Strickland to win just because of what Sean Strickland did to Israel Asanya, which, I mean, it's it's not hard to understand after you beat Adesanya, you know, after you outbox him, you know, it's it's hard not to want to go with him. Um, Sean Strickland's cardio is easily better than Driscus Duplessis. Um, good takedown defense, as we've mentioned. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. But um, I'm probably going with Driscus Duplessis in this one. Even I'm a Driscus Duplessis guy, man. I can't lie. I like Sean Strickland. But, uh, you know, I got right at Driscus Duplessis. And as of right now, it says this uh, women's bantamweight title fight will be going down at UFC 298 on February 17th between Hawkeye Pennington and Myro Bueno Silva. Um, plus 0.07, mildly in favor of Pennington, who's just ranked higher than her. They just use that to determine it. But um, yeah, you know, uh, this, this is probably going to be a boring fight. I won't lie. I'm going with Myro Bueno Silva, by the way. But I mean, both fighters, they're hesitant strikers. Uh, Pennington usually outworks her opponents. It's her efficiency that wins it. She just looks better. Good clinch control on the feet. Um, any standing round, she'll look good. But Myra Bueno's submissions are just her best weapon. All right? When she gets in position and locks them in, that's that. All right? She's not big on takedowns. It's kind of weird. She, she just kind of makes the best of whatever she's dealing with. Um, and Rocco Pennington will just have to rely on her veteran defense to stay out of trouble. Betters are leaning on Pennington to win. I think, I, looking at how both women fought Holly Holmes, Myra Bueno Silva should probably win. Uh, you know, Bueno Silva is more of a heavy striker hesitant but heavy like when she throws it just looks heavy not a lot of volume from her Pennington 
not as much power, but has better accuracy. Usually pours it on in the later rounds. To boxing wise, it's to Pennington, and she also has good takedown defense. But Bueno Silva big on the submissions. Of course, she submitted Holly Holmes on the feet, standing guillotine. Um, but yeah, I just I, I see Myra Bueno Silva getting this done. But at the, at the end of the day, no one really cares who wins. February 17th as well, UFC 298 main event, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky versus Ia Chopura, a plus .21, a mildly favorable matchup for the champion Alexander Volkanovsky. I personally disagree. I think Ia Chopura is going to be the toughest competitor in featherweight that he's faced. I think he's going to be Max Holloway level tough. Um, now, obviously, Volkanovsky, he is, um, he's, he's in the GOAT status for featherweight. He's up there, you know. Prime McGregor, you know, obviously McGregor, you, looking at everything he did in featherweight, not in lightweight, not in welterweight, but in featherweight, he's up there. Jose Aldo, of course, is up there. I mean, Max Holloway, he's bulk is past Max Holloway since he's beat him. But, um, you know, testing himself going up to lightweight didn't work out well for him. Didn't work out well for him. As for Topira, he's just, he's been cementing his title shot for a long time now. Finishing guys, Bryce Mitchell, Josh Emmett, Ryan always been an absolute killer. And, you know, this is a fresh face for Volk. You know, we've, we've seen him fight Brian Ortega, Yair Rodriguez, Max Holloway. This is such a fresh f- fresh foe for him. I, I really like this. I really like this. Now, the betters aren't liking Topira's chances, all right? They got Volkanovsky by decision. I'm going to be honest. Volk just got knocked out by Islam. He just got knocked out. And, by the way, their first matchup was gritty. All right? It was a gritty performance. Um, earlier this summer, I mean, in the summer, he destroyed Yair Rodriguez. Looked great there. But moving back to featherweight, a matchup against a rising star. I mean, Topira, he's a good wrestler. Good good wrestler, good boxing. A lot of power. A lot of power in his fight against Josh Demet. I mean, Topira showed pretty much every aspect of his game, and he looked flawless in doing it. But the difference between Emmett and Volkanovski is pretty vast. So, I mean, they're saying to look for Volkanovski by decision. I honestly think coming off of getting knocked out, this could be the downfall of Volkanovski. Personally, that's just how I feel. So I'm actually going to go with you, Topira, probably by knockout in this fight. But that's just me. That's just me. I'm just, I'm a fan. I'm a fan, man. Can you blame me? Can you blame me, man? Ia Topira, just because 2 plus C, I love picking the Young Bucks. Young Bucks to upset. That, that's what I'm all about. Right, and our last, yeah, our last fight to talk about a men's featherweight title matchup on March 9th, UFC 299, Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera. It's a minus 0.1 unfavorable for the champion. I don't know why that is, personally. I don't know why that is. Now, Sean O'Malley, is a, is a, his precision in power striking is off the charts. He's arguably the best in the UFC right now, like statistically looking at it. And uh, he's great with his range. But um, now Marlon Vera, he has a very high knockdown rate. His knockdown rate is much higher. More experience in championship rounds is what they're saying. Um, now, O'Malley's going to be favored, which I agree with. Vera's going to have a puncher's chance. But uh, 19 knockdowns combined between them. The first fight was just picking up before Sean O'Malley got hurt. Um, betters are leaning on O'Malley to win, though, in an over-the-3.5 round mark, possibly even the 4.5 rounds, going to be in the plus odds. Um, I don't know. I'm leaning Sugar Sean. I'm leaning Sugar Sean. His range, his movement, going to be keys to victory. I just think that looking at the past they've gone, that he's better. And plus, Marlon Vera just lost to Corey Sandhagen. He shouldn't be getting this title shot. This is all because of the history between him and Sean O'Malley. Which I can't blame them. I can't blame them personally. You know, I would probably do it if it was my promotion and I was trying to sell tickets. I was trying to sell a fight. But at the, at the same time, he's just not deserving of it. Marab is more deserving of it. Marab, do have a Shelly. 
Um, in, the, in the men's bantamweight rankings, I mean, I can. Marlon Marlon is ranked six. All right, obviously he deserves it more than Peter Jan. Doesn't deserve it more than number four Corey Sanhagen. Deserves it more than number three Henry Sudo. Doesn't deserve it more than number two Marab. So there's two guys ahead of him that I would give a title shot. But um, I, I don't know, guys. I don't know. It, it'll be an interesting matchup. I'm leading. I'm leading towards Sean O'Malley. Um, but we'll see when that goes down. March will be here before we know it. Literally, the time just flies by. Time flies by. It's already November 20th, Thanksgiving's this week. Right? I feel like I feel like the semester just started for me. As I mentioned before, been an amazing semester. My company, Evergrowing Co., has been going great. Um, if you guys want to grab a sweatshirt, go to evergrowingcoibe.com. Website's on there. You can also just DM me about getting I got to get four sweatshirts for my friends. And I don't know if we're going to have some of them. I'll have to see. We'll have to determine if we have any. Because we reordered, but we didn't reorder enough, I feel. Because we were like, oh, are we going to sell any? But our business is just picking up. So it kind, of, kind of sucks as the semester's ending. We're making more money. So that's kind of an awkward situation. I actually got a volunteer. I got to get volunteer hours. But not, and I'm yet, I'm yet to do that. I have like three volunteer hours. So I, I don't know what I'm going to do about that. I'll tell you what, I do know what I'm going to do. I'm going to move us into uh, NFL. Because we got a lot of NFL to talk about. We got a lot of NFL to talk about. I might actually take a quick intermission personally before I before I do that. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually plug Hoist real quick. Of course, Hoist. I love you, Hoist. Such an amazing amazing hydration drink. Um, shout your boy out for a sponsor. You know, and you know I will I will take videos with your stuff. I will post it everywhere. I'm about that. All right, I am about that sponsorship of life. I, I'm all about being that social media guy. I know I got to get some more posts out. I'll work on it, Hoist. Trust me, I'll work on it. I know you've searched up, searched up my social medias, but I'll continue to tag you. And um, hopefully, hopefully you guys decide to go my route. If not, I'm just going to keep asking because I'm a persistent fellow. I've been told I'm a persistent, persistent fellow. But yeah, check out Evergrowing Co. Hoist, hit me up. We got a lot of NFL to talk about. So I'll be right back in the snap of my fingers. So as as nice as it is to kind of only do one episode for the week, that means I do have to cover my week 12 predictions as well. So we're going to run through all of, all of week 11 of the NFL, everything that's happened so far. And I'm also going to drop my predictions for week 12 of the NFL. A whole week early now, the games do start Thursday. We also get games Friday and Sunday. So it's going to be a fun, action-packed weekend of NFL. But I don't really get to touch on any fantasy points for next weekend. Maybe I will a bit. But um, yeah, let's uh, let's get into week 11 because we are going to be talking about a lot of football on this episode. Then, of course, we'll be capping it off with a UFC Vegas 82 recap. That's my favorite part of every episode. I love UFC. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, we kicked off this weekend with the Bengals and the Ravens on Thursday night football. I correctly predicted that the Ravens would win, but man, oh man, it came at a cost as Joe Burrow quarterback for the Bengals. No one knows Joe Burrow, one of the best QBs in the league. And Mark Andrews, Ravens tight end, um, top tight end in the league, top three, maybe even the best on if Travis Kelsey is having an off day, are both out for the season. I don't know what Mark Andrews did. I believe he hurt his leg or something. But Joe, Joe Burrow broke his wrist or something. He's out for the year. Just terrible news for both of these teams. I, I, felt, I felt so bad for them. I actually, you know... 
just just the injuries. The injuries this season have been off the charts. I don't know what's been going on this year, but it just really sucks. It really sucks. Just wanted to touch on that before I uh, get into the matchup. But um, wish a quick recovery for both of those guys. But the Ravens win 34-20. to They get it done. Lamar drops 23.96 fantasy points. Gus Edwards, 21 fantasy points. And Odell Beckham, 15.6 for the Bengals. Joe Mixon had 21 fantasy points. Uh, Jake Browning, 10.72 fantasy points, and Jamar Chase, 9.2 for the Bengals. I mean, Burrow had 101 yards at Tutty before he got hurt. Backup QB Browning comes in, throws for 68 yards and Tutty. Joe Mixon rushed for 69 yards. Browning rushed for 40. Uh, but it was Mixon's five catches for 31 yards and a touchdown. That got him that. Jamar had two catches for 12 yards and a touchdown. But it was the tight end Hudson, four catches, 49 yards, who led for receiving. Pretty pretty odd there. Tyler Boyd, three catches, 22 yards. Bad day to be a Bengals fan. Bengals now 5-5 five and five and have a minus point differential of minus 24. Two-game losing streak, too. As for the Ravens, I mean, Lamar, 264 yards, 16 of 26 for two touchdowns. Also rushed for 54 yards. Gus Edwards, 12 rushes, 62 yards, two touchdowns, an absolute beast. Odell had four catches for 116 yards. Zay Flowers, three catches, 43 yards. Nelson Aguilar, one catch, 37-yard touchdown. Rashad Bateman caught a 10-yard pass for a touchdown. And Gus Edwards, two catches. Just eight yards, also getting it done. Gus Edwards coming in clutch for me. I mean, looking good. I mean, fantasy-wise, I was happy with what Gus Edwards was giving me. All right, I, I'm, a, I'm a Gus Edwards guy now, but... um. Man, tough, tough stuff for them. Ravens though, eight and three though, good for them. They become actually. Um, let me let me double check this. Okay, now there's now two. There's two, two in the AFC. There's three. The Ravens are now one of three teams to have crossed the 300-yard mark for scoring. They have 300 point, 304, 304 points for 177 points against one of the top defenses in the league. We'll be talking about who they'll be playing next week, but um, there's no bias next week, right? No, no bias for Thanksgiving weekend. Just wanted to double double check that. But um, good stuff from the Ravens this week. Bengals playoff hopes have disintegrated. Getting into our um, noon noon games, we had the Steelers taking on the Browns. I thought the Browns would get it done. The Browns did get it done. The Browns beat the Steelers 13-10 thanks to a 34-yard game-winning field goal from Dustin Hopkins, number one kicker in the league on fantasy. I don't know if he is anymore, but um, we'll, we'll have to see. Um, Jay Warren, Jalen Warren, 23.5 fantasy points led the day for the Steelers. The next high score, eight for the defense. Just... This is a terrible offense. I can't lie. For the for the Browns, actually, David Njoku, uh, tight end, 12.6 points. Elijah Moore, 12. And Jerome Ford, 11.9. Kenny Pickett, man, 106 yards. Rush for nine yards. Just just doesn't do anything. You know, this is just a bad offense. It's, there's no other way to put it. This is a bad offense. Najee Harris rushed 12 times for 35 yards, but it's Jalen Warren's nine rushes, 129 yards at touchdown, which was the only good thing about the Steelers' offense. That's all, all I can say. George Pickens, top wide receiver, four catches, 38 yards. Deontay Johnson, two catches, 16 yards. Just nothing going for him. As for Cleveland, Dorian, Dorian Thompson Robinson, which is a crazy name, 165 yards and a pick. Didn't do anything. Kareem Hunt, 36 yards rushing, leading rusher. Jerome Ford, only person to get tutty for him on 31, 31 yards rushing. And Joku had seven catches for 56 yards. Elijah Moore, six catches, 60 yards. Mari Cooper, four catches, 34 yards. And just... 
just an off week. I mean, this was a defensive battle through and through. But on Browns, now are 7-3, and three, 227 points for, 180 points against. Very good uh, very good defense. Steelers, 6-4, 166 points for, 195 points against, so a minus 29-point differential. Uh, but the Browns, three-game win streak now for the Browns. I, you know, I, I got a feel for them. You know, Browns cooking right now. As of right now, I think they're in the playoffs. Yes, they're actually, they're actually the number five seed. Number five seed as of right now. They are the best second place team. And they actually have a better... No, they just have a... They're the fifth seed right now. Browns, I've been liking what I'm seeing for me. The loss of Deshaun Watson will hurt. It will hurt, but um, we'll see what's next for you later on. Keeping us rolling with our 12 o'clock games, we had the Texans taking on the Cardinals. I had faith in the Texans to get it done, and it was close. It was a it was a much closer game than I thought, but the Texans pulled through for their third straight win. Fancy performances. Tank Dell, 28.9. He had 24 points at halftime, by the way. Fantasy points. Devin Singletary, 19.8 points, coming off of everyone's waiver wire. CJ Stroud, 15.34 fantasy points. Uh, for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, 21.66. Greg Dortch, 13.6. And Rondell Moore, 12.8. Four, you know this was. I thought this game was sold. It was twenty-one to ten. All right, it was twenty-one to ten. Then in the third quarter, Kyler Murray made it twenty-one sixteen, and the defense is held up for a fourth-quarter shutout. Texans win twenty-one to sixteen. Cardinals, Kyler Murray had 214 yards for a touchdown and a pick. James Conner leading rusher with 62 yards. Murray actually rushed for 51 yards at a touchdown. Good stuff from him. Dorch, six catches, 76 yards. Trey McBride, five catches, 43 yards. Rondell Moore had one catch, 48 yards for a touchdown. Good stuff there. Marquise Brown, only two catches for 18 yards. As for Houston, C.J. Stroud, 336 yards, two touchdowns. Did throw three picks. That hurts, but another 300-yard game. Devin Singletary, 22 rushes for 112 yards and a touchdown. He was looking great. And Tank Dell, 8 catches, 149 yards and a touchdown. Dalton Schultz, 2 catches, 32 yards and a touchdown. And Nico Collins, 7 catches, 65 yards. Man, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, this Texans team, it continues to surprise me. It really, it really does. First off, Devin Singletary coming in clutch in fantasy. Thank you, my friend. Texans, 6-4. and four. Plus 30-point differential, three-game win streak, second in the AFC South. They're creeping up on the Jaguars. I mean, this is, this is a fun one. This is a fun one to watch, and though they're trying to get in. They're trying to get into the playoffs. As of right now, they are in. As of right now, the Texans, I believe, are the sixth seed. I believe they're the sixth seed. Bills are at the seven, I believe. Yes, seven teams make it in. Four division winners and three non-division winners. So, yes, Texans are currently the sixty. Good for them. Good for them. And C.J. Stroud is apparently in the MVP race, can, according to the internet. I, I I was not aware of that. I was not aware they were in, they were in the, uh, he was in the MVP race, but that's just me. What do I know? Another divisional matchup. Actually, this wasn't a divisional matchup, but, um, oh, we didn't even mention the Cardinals. Cardinals record, uh, obviously, one of the worst teams in the league. If the Panthers didn't exist, Cardinals are 2-9. and nine. Yet to cross the 200 points scored mark this year, 192 points for, giving up 284 points. It's a rough team, but, they, you know, I've seen some, uh, some revival. I've seen a revival with Kyler Murray, and honestly, 
I might ride with them one of these upcoming weeks, but they're two and nine, and they'll be looking towards the draft. That's all I can say. Let's talk about the next game because it was a divisional matchup that I picked incorrectly. Oh my gosh, the uh, Jaguars beat the Texans thirty-four to fourteen. I really thought the Titans were going to do it. This was my upset pick of the week. I was happy about it too. You know, I always love picking upsets of the week and. Gosh darn it. Actually, honestly, looking at some of my other matchups, I picked... Actually, no, this this was the biggest upset of the week. And all signs were pointing towards it, and they let me down. Jaguars win 34-14, to as I mentioned. Ugh. DeAndre Hopkins, 15.9 fancy points. Will Levis, 12.52. Christian Moore. Chris Moore, 9.7. Just nothing from the Titans. Trevor Lawrence, insane. 32.18. Doing beautifully on my bench, by the way. Just, oh my gosh. Calvin Ridley, 31.1. I love you, Calvin. Calvin Ridley, you are you are my favorite wide receiver of the week. And Brandon McManus, 10 fancy points for the kicker. I mean, this started off really bad. First off, let me say that it was 27 to nothing. It was 27 to nothing before DeAndre Hopkins caught a caught 43-yard pass from Will Levis. But man, oh man, we'll talk about Tennessee first. Will Levis, 158 yards, two touchdowns. Not a bad day. Not a bad day. Just... Just couldn't get it going. Jaguars just had their freaking number. That's all I can say. Derrick Henry is getting benched. I might even drop him to the waiver wire. 38 yards rushing. 38 freaking yards rushing. He also had one catch for six yards. He sucks. Derrick Henry, you suck. That's all I can say. My goodness. Honestly, the Moore. Moore had the most rushing yards with 38. Actually, he tied Derrick Henry with 38 yards rushing. And he just did a little run around. DeAndre Hopkins, four catches, 59 yards, a touchdown. Best part of this Titans team. Literally nothing else. Nothing else was good for him. We'll, we'll gloat about Jacksonville, though. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, 262 yards, two touchdowns, five rushes, 17 yards, two touchdowns, a four-touchdown game for Trevor Lawrence. This is this is the old Clemson QB that I've been waiting for all year. Travis Etienne, eh, kind of a quiet day, 52 yards rushing, uh, three catches, seven yards. Not much from Travis. Um, Calvin Ridley though seven catches 103 yards two touchdowns amazing Christian Kirk three catches 48 yards Evan Ingram two catches 29 yards yeah it was the Calvin Ridley and Trevor Lawrence show and good for them good for this Jaguars team rebounding hard after a loss seven and three now uh, plus 26 point differential um, yeah leading the AFC South doing their thing Titans bottom of the AFC South one of the worst teams in the, in the actually they are the the second to worst team in the AFC. Wow, three and seven, 168 points for terrible offense, 214 points against. Not actually a terrible defense. But I mean, just an average defense. Three game losing streak. Titans, you continue to let me down. I'm not picking you next week. I, I don't even know who they're playing. I'm just not picking the Titans. I, I just cannot with Derrick Henry. I hate you, Derrick Henry. You're my op now. Derrick Henry is for real my op now. He's my opposition. Tell you who's not my opposition, Tyreek Hill, as he's th- he has 30.6 fantasy points this week against the Raiders as the Dolphins. 20 to 13, they survive a close one against the Raiders, I won't lie. I won't lie, it was a bit closer than I would have liked to see, but you know what, Dolphins doing your thing. I actually had Michael Meyer, the uh, um, uh, Raiders tight end. He had 8.6 points, honestly surprised me, I thought he would get zero. Devontae Adams, 21.2 is the only good thing about this Raiders offense. Hunter Renfro, 9.2, and Aiden O'Connell, 9.14. QB, not really doing much. Tyreek Hill, as we mentioned, 30.6. Insane, Tua, 17.6. And the Miami D, 13 points. Thank you, Miami D. I played you this week. But yes, it was a, it actually started out 10-7. 
Raiders were up, then it was 14-7, then it was 14-13, then two, two field goals in the third quarter for the Dolphins got it done, no scores in the fourth. Aiden O'Connell, 271 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, but he needs to learn to pass accurately. 24 out of 41 completions, insane. Josh Jacobs only rushed for 39 yards. Actually, 42 rushing yards total for the team. Actually, yeah, minus six as well for Tucker, so that might subtract a bit. As Miami D had their number in the rushing department. Devontae Adams, seven catches, 82 yards, a touchdown. They, they know, just get the ball to Devontae. Jacoby Myers, four catches, 49 yards. Um, Hunter Renfro, five catches, 42 yards. As we mentioned, Michael Meyer, four catches, four points, 46 yards. That's what I was saying. Yeah, that's 4.6 fantasy points, though. Um, Tua, 325 yards, two touchdowns, interception. I'd honestly throw him in the MVP race. Raheem Mostert, a six yards rushing, only rusher for the day. Achene, one rush, one yard. I believe he actually got hurt. Tyreek Hill, though, just... Terry Kill, I might give MVP. 10 catches, 146 yards, and a touchdown. This guy's insane. Actually, backup running back, Shabahid Ahmed, three catches, 25 yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Waddell, four catches, 55 yards. And a Chosen Anderson, or Chosen Anderson, whatever. His last name's Chosen, who knows? Two catches, 39 yards. How about that? How about that? Dolphins roll into another victory. 7-3 and three now. They cross the 300 mark. 305 points for 238 points against the best offense in the league. Wow. Wow, oh, wow. But let me just tell you, they may be at the top of the AFC East, but the Bills are creeping up on them. Bills are creeping up on them. You know, the Bills have two, two, lo- two more losses than the Dolphins, but at the end of the day, it could come down to wins, and they could easily slip past them. As for the Raiders, you know, I, five and six. 185 points for 225 points against. So it's a brutal minus 40, but the, you know, the bad offense. But I mean, they're five and six. It's not unrealistic. They could do something. You know, I don't know who they're playing next week. We'll look at that later on. I say keep saying, I keep reiterating. But um, man, I just I don't know. I don't know what to expect from the Raiders. The Raiders and the Broncos, both in the AFC West, kind of in the same boat. You know, when you're at five wins. In a week eleven, so you're either going to be five and six or five and five. You just you kind of have to assess: Do I tank and try and get a higher up pick, or do I keep trying to win and shoot for the playoffs? It's an awkward spot. Vikings are Loki in that, as we'll get to them to probably cap off week eleven. But um, man, I don't know what to expect. I do not know what to expect. But um, good win for the Dolphins. Uh, roll fins, go fins. I don't know what their chant is. A uh, matchup that I did, uh, actually, wait, did I predict? Yeah, of course I predicted the Dolphins correctly. Of course and I predicted this one correctly. Cowboys over the Panthers. N- no nonsense here. There, there's no there's no upset here. There's no, oh, did something happen? I will say, you know, the one thing I'll touch on is that it was 7-0 after the first quarter, and it was actually a point where it was 10-3. It was 10-3, and then it was actually 17-10. It was actually 17-10 at one point. And then the uh, Cowboys went off. So yeah, thirty-three to ten, just domination from the Cowboys. But um, Dallas D twenty-three points, amazing. Tony Pollard eighteen points, CD Lamb sixteen point five, Adam Thielen at fifteen point four, Chubba Hubbard eight point five, uh, T Treble seven point four. Yeah, Panthers suck. There's not much more to say. We'll talk about Carolina first. You know, getting blown out at home, it sucks. Bryce Young one hundred twenty-three yards, a touchdown interception, just a, not a good QB. I'm just, I'm just be honest. Young is having a rough rookie season. It is a rough first year for uh, Bryce Young. Jebba Hubbard, 10 rushes, 57 yards. Miles Sanders, 11 rushes, 50 yards. 
Terrible dual backfield. Adam Thielen, eight catches, 74 yards. The only good part of this team. Levisky should not. Two catches, nine yards. Tremble had one catch, four yards, a touchdown. The only touchdown for the Panthers. As for Dallas, this team is scary. They're scary good. Dak Prescott, 189 yards and two touchdowns. Kind of a quiet day for him. Tony Pollard, 61 yards and a touchdown. Good for him. C.D. Lamb, six catches, 38 yards and a touchdown. He's gone off in more weeks. Brandon Cooks, three catches, 42 yards. Um, Shoemaker, uh, tight end two, two catches, 23 yards and a touchdown. Did his thing. Yeah, a bunch of guys are catching passes. Then the data, it comes down to the Dallas defense who had a pick six in the fourth quarter quarter. Wow. It was actually by Deron Bland. Incredible, incredible defensive back. This Cowboys team just just looking good, you know. 302 points. They cost the 300-point um, threshold. The only team in the uh, NFC to do so. Incredible. Only given up 175 points. Is this is this the best D? No, actually, defense has given up less, but it's still one of the best defenses. Two-game win streak for them. Second in the NFC East. I believe they're the five seed. Are they? Yes, they're the five seed right now. And let me be honest, you know, the Eagles, the Eagles are eight and one, but the Cowboys creeping up on them. You got to be careful. Eagles don't go on a little losing streak. Um, but yeah, that's not much to say more about them. Good stuff from the Cowboys. Panthers, one and nine, three game losing streak, 163 points for 163 points for not the worst, not the worst offense, 275 points against uh, bad defense, bad offense. Yeah. Panthers are, uh, Gosh, wow. I know I didn't think they'd do good this year, but I didn't think it'd be this bad. I didn't think they'd have one win by week 11. Um, who knows what the rest of the season will hold for the Panthers. Maybe I'll pick them in week 12. Stay tuned for that. Um, the best game. The best game. I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it outright. The best game of the week. Yeah, I'm going to say of the noon games. Of the noon games, this was the best best game. The Lions beat the Bears 31-26. to 26. This game did not disappoint in the slice. I picked the Lions correctly. Of course, I predicted the Lions correctly, but it was a tough one. We'll talk about fantasy performance. DJ Moore, 22.6. Justin Fields, return game, 21.16. Cairo Santos, the kicker, 17 points. Are you kidding me, Cairo? UG. Monroe St. Brown, 21.7. Jameer Gibbs, 21.5. And my boy, David Montgomery, 17.8. Getting a game-winning touchdown against his team. So, yeah, I mean, this one, it started off close. I mean, it was 7-0 after the first quarter. Bears were winning. It was pretty crazy. I mean, Jared Goff threw three picks this game. It was unreal. Um, Jameer Gibbs punching in a tutty in the second quarter. Then, you know, field goal from Cairo was 10-7. On Maron St. Browning caught a tutty. It was 14-10. Lions were up. Then, third quarter, 10 unanswered points. It was soon 20-14. to it was looking pretty, pretty crazy. Then, two more field goals later, it's 26 to 10. It's 26 to 10. Then, in the fourth quarter, losing 32 yard catch from Jamison Williams. All right. Now it's 20, 26 to, um, four, 26 to 17. 26 to 17. Not unrealistic. We can, wait, am I doing my math right? I gotta make sure I'm trying to do my math right. All right. So, the Bears, the Bears had 26 points. Lions were at 14, 21. So it was 21 to 26, 21, 26. Then in the final seconds, David Montgomery punches in a one-yard touchdown. And Sam Laporta catches a two-yard, uh, two-point conversion to put him up 29 to 26. All right. First play of the game. First play of the final drive. 22 seconds left. First, first play. 
Justin Fields fumbles and it turns into a safety. Incredible stuff. Absolutely incredible stuff. Could not believe it. Lions make an incredible comeback. It was it was nuts. It was nuts. Justin Fields, 169 yards throwing, one touchdown, rush for 104 yards. He did all right, but when it came down to what mattered, couldn't come through. Deontay Foreman, six rushes, 14 yards, and uh, a touchdown. Going to be doing good to Mark. Lou Herbert, return game, 35 yards. Could have done more. Same for Rashawn Johnson, 30 yards. A lot, a lot, a lot. Good running back room, but they just don't do a lot. It sucks. DJ Moore, seven catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Looked tremendous. Cole Komet, three catches, 20 yards. Decent. As for the, uh, the the Lions, I mean, my goodness. I mean, Jared Goff, as we mentioned, threw three picks, did throw two tutties, 236 yards. You know, he's got the Lions in a good spot. He's got them in a good spot. Montgomery, 12 rushes, 76 yards, a touchdown. Jameer Gibbs, eight rushes, 36 yards, a touchdown. A great duel. But they might be the best two, two-man running back room in the league. Monroe St. Brown, another crazy week. Eight catches, 77 yards, a touchdown. Jameer Gibbs, six catches, 59 yards. Sam Laporta didn't do anything. Three catches, 18 yards. How about Jamison Williams? Two catches, 44 yards, and a 30-yard touchdown. And I'll shout my boy David. Two catches, 22 yards. Don't forget about that. Lions now 8-2. They are the second-best team in the NFC. And honestly, I'm going to say they're the best if the Eagles lose tonight to the Chiefs. Um, 272 points for They're nearing that 300 mark. Three-game win streak. What more do you want? They're two games up now in the NFC North. Actually, it might even be three. Oh, my goodness. Just, uh, yeah, Lions, number two seed at the moment. Um... Wow, very impressed with them. As for the Bears, as for the Bears, you know what? 230 points for their offense has been doing all right. 286 points against that stuff for the defense. They're three and eight, but I'm I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest. They're one of the best. I think they're the best three and eight team. I think they're the best three and eight team. Okay, they are. They surprised me. Honestly, I'd pick them over teams like the Panthers and the Cardinals and the Giants. But it's tough. Bottom of the FC North, you're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, not going to make the playoffs. And it's like, it's just kind of one of those seasons where it's like the Bears suck again, again. You know, the Browns have been there. Every team's kind of been there at some point. But the Bears have been there a long time now. The Bears, the Bears have been the bottom team for quite quite the time now. Quite the time. Let's, uh, let's keep these 12 o'clock games rolling along. Chargers and Packers, another heater. Another heater. Packers win 23-20. to 20. I, can, I cannot believe that. I cannot believe the Packers won this freaking game. I'm about to cuss. I'm about to say cuss words. Um, Keenan Allen, 27.6 fancy points. Justin Herbert, 25.7 fancy points. I have no freaking clue who Stone Smart is, but he he managed to get 12.1 fantasy points. Jordan Love, 20.88 for the Packers. Jalen Reed, 19.2. And Romeo Dobbs, 16.3. You know, it was a close game back and forth. Um, came down to uh, Romeo Dobbs catching a touchdown pass with uh, two and a half minutes left. And then to end the game, Justin Herbert, fourth down, th- so it's fourth and one. He could have ran forward. They had like 40 seconds left. They even had timeouts. And he throws it directly at the hand of one of the defensive linemen whose hand is literally right in front of him. The ball hits it, falls to the ground. That's game. That's game. This was Chargers games to lose. This was the Chargers game to lose. And they freaking lost it. Justin Herbert, 260 yards, two touchdowns, rushed for 73 yards. He had an amazing day. They lost. Austin Eckler rushed for 64 yards. Keenan Allen, 10 catches, 116 yards, a touchdown, another historic performance. Parham Jr., four catches, 57 yards. Smart, he caught one catch, 51 yards, a touchdown. Okay, no idea who that guy is, but all right. 
Green Bay, I mean, I didn't even know. Jordan Love, 322 yards and two touchdowns. Wow. Wow. Okay, Jordan Love. Season of Love. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Um, Aaron Jones got hurt. That sucks. A.J. Dillon rushed for 29 yards on 14 attempts. That's terrible. Romeo Dobbs, five catches, 53 yards. Ed Tutty. Christian Watson, two catches, 21 yards. Caught a touchdown. Wicks, three catches, 91 yards. Got the most yards. But, yeah, Packers win. Packers freaking win. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Packers are now four and six. A perfect 202 points for and 202 points against is so satisfying. That is such, so weird. Dead even at 500. Wow. How about that? That's so unique. Third in the NFC North. Um, Not really near the playoffs right now. I won't lie. They're not really near the playoffs, but it's not unrealistic. It's honestly not that unrealistic. Chargers, though, somehow this Chargers team... With a plus 21-point differential, they've scored 259 points for them. Two-game losing streak, 4-6, and six, bottom of the AFC West. It's amazing. It's amazing. They keep losing these close games. It's so depressing. I'm glad I'm not a Chargers fan. Tell you who else I'm not a, glad I'm not a fan of is any of the NFC East. Uh, actually, to be an Eagles or Cowboys fan would be pretty nice this season. But to be a Commanders or Giants fan because, well, you just never know what to expect from your team. Giants beat the Commanders. I couldn't believe my eyes. I couldn't believe my eyes. First, I had to watch the Chargers lose. I'm like, I thought that was an easy pick. Then I watched the Commanders lose. I thought that was a freebie pick. Oh, my gosh. I'm probably going to lose my pick and pool this week. Giants win 31-19. Saquon Barkley, 30 freaking fancy points. Tommy DeVito, 22 fancy points. The Giants defense, 19 fancy points. Brian Robinson Jr., 20. Sam Howell, 17. And Jahan Dotson, 11. Average. Average. That's all I can say. I mean... You know, and let me just say, I mean, it started off 14 to 10 at halftime. I was like, okay, you know, that was 14 to 13, close game. Then 24 to 13, I was like, okay, this game's kind of getting out of control, you know, all right. But then, guess what? Commanders had it 19 to 24. It was 19 24. And then Isaiah Simmons got a 54 yard pick six. Holy cow. Giants win. Wow. Tommy DeVito, 246 yards, three touchdowns. Have a freaking day, you mob man. You mob man. Definitely connect to the mob. Saquon rushed for 83 yards, had four catches for 57 yards and two touchdowns. Incredible. Darius Slayton, four catches, 82 yards and touchdown. Good for you. This Giants, Giants D, man. Got a pick six. Good for them. They picked off Sam Howell three freaking times. Unreal. Unfreaking real. Sam Howell, 255 yards, a touchdown. Just mentioned the three picks. Brian Robinson Jr. rushed for 73 yards. Sam Howell rushed, actually, for a touchdown. 35 yards rushing. Brian Robinson, seven catches, 58 yards, a lot of dump-offs. Logan Thomas, five catches, 58 yards. Scary Terry, five catches, 43 yards. John Dotson, only touchdown catch. Three three, uh, three catches, 23 yards. And got a touchdown. Wow. Wow, I could not believe this. Commanders, what are you freaking doing? What are you freaking doing? You guys actually could have been in a spot to make the playoffs. Now you're four and seven. Now you're four and seven. You've given up 305 points. This is actually holy cow. Holy freaking cowboys. I did not even realize the commanders have the worst defense in the league. Wow, by a long shot, too. They are the only team to have given up 300 points this season. Commanders have the worst defense in the freaking league. Unreal. Unreal commanders defense. Offensive scored 236 on two game losing streak. Pathetic. 
Giants, worst offense in the league. Still put up 31 points on you, Commanders. 3-8 uh, and eight now, coming off a win. If you're giving up 285 points, not a good, uh, not a good team overall. But guess what? You got to win this week. Good for you guys. Good for you, Giants. That's all I'm going to say. Happy for the Giants this week. Honestly, even though, even though I picked the matchup wrong, I still feel happy for you. Commanders, Chargers, and Titans letting me down. Let's get into these 330 games because guess what? Guess what? I predicted two of the three wrong. Absolutely, utterly, utterly insane. I, could, I just don't get it. I do not get it. What's it going to take? What's it going to take for me to predict a matchup correctly? I, I don't know. Um, we kicked off the 330 games with the Buccaneers and the 49ers. And um, I want you to guess. I want you to guess if the Buccaneers won. If you guessed yes, you'd be an idiot. Because the 49ers won 27-14. Rashad White, 17.8 fantasy points. Mike Evans, 15.3. Really need more from you, Mike. Baker Mayfield, 10.34. Brock Purdy, 26.72. Brandon Ayuk, 26.6. And George Kittle, FU, 22.9. Screwed me over with his great day. Wow. Just freaking wow. And it was actually 27-7 to at one point before Buccaneers got a fourth-quarter touchdown. I mean, Baker Mayfield, 246 yards, touchdown on a pick, didn't do much. Rashad White, 30 rushing yards, touchdown, didn't do much. Chris Godwin, six catches, 39 yards. Mike Evans, five catches, 43 yards, got a touchdown. Otten, T. Otten, the tight end, four catches, 49 yards, just nothing. This defense of the 49ers, too good. Brock Purdy, 21 of 25 completions. Wow, incredible, incredible rate. 333 yards and three touchdowns. Numbers don't lie. That's perfect. Christian McCaffrey rushed for 78 yards, caught five catches for 25 yards and a touchdown. Only four freaking players caught passes this game. Only four players caught passes. That is insane. George Kittle, eight catches, 89 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk, five catches, 156 yards and a touchdown. Debo Samuel, three catches, 63 yards. Wow. This is clearly just a freaking like five-man show. Brock Purdy, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Chris McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and it's working for the 49ers. Wow, this team is there's back. They're back. I'll say 49ers are back. Two-game win streak, 7-3 and three now atop the NFC West. 279 points, 457 points. Getting off. This is the best defense in the freaking league. Wow, 49ers. I like what I've seen from you. Um, but yeah, as for as for the Bucks, four and six. 192 points for 200 points against, you know, an average offense, an average defense. There is no in-between for the Buccaneers. But the NFC South, still wide freaking open, Bucks. Keep your hopes alive. You just got to string some wins together and you'll be looking pretty. Or in the 49ers, in the 49ers, uh, what am I trying to say? In the 49ers, um... On the 49ers case, you'll be looking purdy. Get it, Brock Purdy? I absolutely butchered that and mind blinked on it. So that sucks. I'll tell you who else sucks. The Jets. The Jets actually suck. I hate them. I hate the New York Jets. I hate your defense. I hate your freaking offense. I hate everything about the New York Jets. They are they are actually one of my least favorite teams in football. Wow. Jets lose to the Bills. 32 to 6. 32 to freaking 6. My Goodness. Brees Hall, only good thing about the Jets, 18.3 fantasy points. All I'm going to talk about. That's all I'm going to talk about. He was the only good part. Josh Allen for the Bills, 22.5 fantasy points. The Buffalo defense, 21 points. Why'd I have to play the Buffalo D? And Kay Shakir, 20.5 fantasy points. You got to be freaking kidding me. This game absolutely screwed me over in fantasy, ruined me. I'll talk about my fantasy matchups in a bit, but just absolutely ruining me. I could not believe it. I could not believe it. 
Zach Wilson, 81 yards, a touchdown on a pick, gets benched. Tim Boyle steps in, throws for 33 yards. And by the way, Tim Boyle is actually starting next week for the freaking Jets. That Zach Wilson's getting benched. He sucks. Zach Wilson is not a good QB. Zach Wilson is not a good QB, I'll say. Brees Hall rushed for 23 yards, caught five catches for 50 yards, and a touchdown. Only good part. Garrett Wilson, two catches, nine yards. They are not feeding my boy. Buffalo, though. Wow. Talk about rallying. After a little rough patch, you know, Josh Allen, 275 yards, three touchdowns through one pick. Um, James Cook rushed for 73 yards, did his thing. Uh, Keisha Kerr, three catches, 115 yards at touchdown. Cook, three catches, 29 yards at touchdown. Diggs, only four catches, 27 yards, not much. Dalton Kincaid, six catches, 46 yards. But it was the Bills' freaking defense, man. They got a, um, actually, they didn't even get a pick six, did they? They must have gotten some fumble recoveries or something. I thought I thought they got defense. I guess not. But Khalil Shakur, 81-yard touchdown pass from Josh Allen. Incredible. Incredible. Tyler Bass hit like four field goals this game. Good for him. Good for him. Honestly, good for the Bills. Six and five, second in the AFC. He's third in the playoffs currently. Um, 294 points for excellent offense, 190 points against good defense. Just have lost some close games. You know what? They'll be back. They'll be back. And I stand corrected. Talking about um the Giants, because even though the Giants are at 149 points for, Jets, 150 points for, 204 points against, the defense is good. You know, the defense was just out there too much for the Bills. The Bills have a good offense. If your defense is out there enough, it's going to get tired. That's why they gave up. Jets on a three-game losing streak, four and six. The Jets suck. Zach Wilson sucks. Aaron Rodgers is the only thing that can ever save this Jets team. They're not making the playoffs. They're just not making the playoffs this year. Aaron, sit out the rest of the year. Don't even waste your time. And the Jets, I thought the Jets were going to win. I thought the Jets were going to win this game. They didn't. They lost. Boo-hoo. Poor Zachary. No one cares. Final uh, final 330 game. Yet another upset. I cannot believe it. The Rams, the terrible Rams, beat the Seahawks 17-16. to I do not understand the NFL at all. DK Metcalf, 20.4 fantasy points. Jason Myers, the kicker, 14 fantasy points. Geno Smith, 13.22. Puka, 18.7. Daryl Henderson, 12.9. Matthew Stafford, 9.7. Didn't even pass to Cooper Cup. Screw you. Um, but uh, first off, the Seahawks go up by 13 points. 13-0, then they give up a touchdown. 13-7 to at halftime. Then it's 16-7, to heading into the fourth quarter. They give up a touchdown and a field goal with a minute and a half seconds left. Can't even do anything on their final drive. Overthrow every pass. Just abysmal. Geno Smith, 233 yards at touchdown, gets hurt. Drew Locke come in, comes in. Drew Locke, the backup QB, throws a pick. On a, of his six throws, he throws a pick. Incredible. Zach Charbonnet, 47 yards. He had more rushing yards than Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker got 11 less touches. Incredible. DK Metcalf, five catches, 94 yards, and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett, five catch of 51 yards. I just don't get it. I don't even get how the Rams won this. Matthew Stafford, 190 yards, a touchdown interception. Royce Freeman, leading rusher at 73 yards. Daryl Henderson, one yard, one touchdown. How about that? Puka, five catches, 70 yards, a touchdown. Cooper Cup, one catch, 11 yards, and he gets hurt. Wow. Cooper Cup is so not back. Cooper Cup has become Christian McCaffrey of sorts, but um, of like the last two years. You know, gets keeps getting hurt. Rams are now 4-6, 195 points for, 220 points against. Not a good offense. Not really that good of a defense. Seahawks are now 6-4, still in the playoffs. 216 points for, 218 points against, so only a minus two point differential. Just just depressing, man. Just depressing me, Seahawks. Why you got to lose? Why do you have to lose? 
Rams suck. Rams freaking suck. I have nothing more to say about this. As you can tell, my tone has kind of died down, honestly, and that's because I have to talk about this. I have to mention the Sunday Night Football game. I'll have to mention it. I know. I know the... I, I don't even want to talk about it. it. Actually, It actually makes me so sad. It actually makes me so sad having to talk about that Sunday Night Football game. Vikings lose to the freaking Broncos 21 to 20. I can't even believe it. I can't believe it. I, I can't I just I can't even mad at anyone but the Vikings. They sold that game. All right. Josh Dobbs 16.94 fantasy points. Not as good as his last two games. Ty Chandler 15 fantasy points. He was a stud. Josh Oliver 14.7. He was a stud. Will Lutz, all right, 17 fantasy points, all right. Well, Will Lutz was the only good thing for the Broncos. Cortland Sutton, 16.6 fantasy points, too little, too late. Russell at 14. 0.46, all right, first off, let me let me just say, all right, there was a point in this game, all right, it was in heading into the fourth quarter. Heading into the fourth quarter, it was 17-9. to nine. It was 17-9, to nine. and then... Then it was 17 to 12. Then it was 17 15. Then it was 20 to 15. And with a minute freaking left, we give up a 15 yard touchdown pass to Cortland Sun. Unfreaking real. We can't even do anything on our final drive. Just go four and out. Just Josh Dobbs was looking awkward back there. The team's going to do it. The team couldn't do anything. And we lose. I cannot believe we lost. I just can't believe it. Vikings, I hate you. I hate you. I, I don't. I don't actually hate them. I love them, which makes it sad that they lost. Josh Dobbs, 221 yards, a touchdown interception. Rush for 21 yards, a touchdown. Masson rushed for 81 yards. Ty Chandler rushed for 73 yards. TJ Hawkinson, four catches, 55 yards. Josh Oliver, four catches, 47 yards, a touchdown. Uh, Jordan Aston, three catches, 44 yards. Addison barely passed. Actually, no. Addison passed the... Dobbs was slinging it. Dobbs was slinging it. The backs of the Broncos were just doing too good. The secondary was doing too freaking good. Russell Wilson, 259 yards and a touchdown. Javante Williams rushed for 37 yards. Cortland Sutton, four catches, 66 yards and a touchdown. Samish Perrin, four catches for 40 yards on the final drive. He had seven for 60 on the whole day. Jerry Judy, five catches, 58 yards. Wow. Just freaking wow. That's all I have to say. That's all I have to say, gentlemen. That's all I have to say. Vikings are now 6-5. and five. We do have a plus 23 point differential. Pretty good offense. Defense better than last year. That's all I'll say. I believe we're in the playoffs still. Yeah, we're actually still in the playoffs by some miracle. I think we're the seventh, seventh seed now. But, um, wow. Just wow. Broncos are now 5-5. Five and five, Four-game win streak. Um, still, still, I don't even know if they're in the playoffs. I don't even care. Oh, I was about, I was about to cuss. I was about to cuss. I have to, to hold my tongue. The Lord tells me to hold my tongue. Don't don't be quick to wrath, right? And I won't be quick to wrath. Okay, I'm gonna gonna be chill. Move on. Good good game tonight. I mean, Chiefs and Chiefs and Eagles, two best teams in the league, doing battle. You know, I need a couple things to happen. I won't lie. Um, I am down. I am down by seventeen. I'm down. I'm down by forty eight points. I have Jalen Hurts, Isaiah Pacheco, and Devontae Smith. Fellas, I need something big from you. I really do. Let me just say, I lost by four effing points in my 10-man $20 buy-in league. Just depressed me. I had Trevor Lawrence on my bench. Jordan Addison, Amari Cooper underperforming. Just abysmal. That's all I can freaking say. Cato Boys League, um, I need DeAndre Swift to get 15 fancy points. You know, actually 15.58 if we're getting down to the specifics of it. So DeAndre Swift, only big stuff from you. 
And I need Travis Kelsey to get 49 fantasy points. So if Travis Kelsey wants to have a Christian McCaffrey-style game, go for it, Travis. So we'll be rooting for Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco, um, Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts, and DeAndre Swift tonight. You know, I'm picking the Eagles tonight. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even it doesn't even freaking matter. Nothing even matters. Anyone can see. Nothing even matters to me. Thank you, Freddie Mercury, for that for that memorable thing. Gosh, I can't believe the Vikings lost, fellas. Honestly, you know what? I'm sticking I gotta stick to uh, MMA. I shouldn't even deal with the NFL. You know, but honestly, I, I, I feel the same way when my favorite and uh, UFC fighters lose. I feel the exact same way. This sense of pain of why can't you win, team? Why can't you be good? But um, you know what? It's tough. It is, it is what it is. And we move on. We move on to week 12 of the NFL season. That's right. We're going to make our picks live on the podcast. Gosh, already an hour and 22 minutes. So we'll try and be quick about these, kind of go over them. But, uh, yes, then we'll dive into the UFC. So, yes, we uh, we get some Thanksgiving games. And um, I, I set up the picks pool for my family. And I decide Thanksgiving games are worth double points. So we get three games. And uh, they're all double freaking points. So we should uh, keep note of that because big things are uh, coming. We kick it off with the Packers and the Lions. Lions. Frick the Packers. And you know what? Honestly, for the Lions being such an enemy of the Vikings, I'm honestly, I don't mind them. I don't mind them. And I'd root for them in the Super Bowl. I'd root for them in the playoffs, but I'm still going to root for the Vikings. But you know what? I don't mind them. You know, a team this good representing the NFC North, I'm here for it. And if the Lions win this, they'll be 9-2, and four-game win streak. Happy for them, man. As for the Packers, I don't even know how they've gotten four wins. That's all I can say. We're going with the Lions. All right, come on, Lions. I'll be rooting for you. Plus, I feel like the Lions historically win on... um. On what's it freaking called? On Thanksgiving. I feel like they historically do well on Thanksgiving Day. David Montgomery, I will root for root for you, man. I'll be rooting for you. As for the Packers, I will not be rooting for you. Our uh, second game of the day, our midday game, Commanders and the Cowboys. And you know what? This is a little surprising. I feel like they usually give the Cowboys the nightly nod. But um, yeah, we're going with the Cowboys. All right. Cowboys are clearly better. Then the freaking Commanders, all right, but um, Commanders, an unpredictable team, terrible, terrible defense against one of the best offenses in the league, um, so I don't know, I feel like this Cowboys team should eat the Commanders alive, it is a divisional matchup, those always prove a bit tricky, but uh, yeah, we'll be riding with the uh, Cowboys in that one, I'll be rooting for big things from Dak, Sam Howell, I think I'm going to bench you this week, I think Sam Howell's getting benched this week, that's, that's my consensus. We cap off our Thanksgiving Day games with the 49ers and the Seahawks. This should be a close one. But um, it's a divisional matchup. I just can't pick against this 49ers team. They've, they've revitalized my faith in them. Seahawks, after that Rams loss, eh, pretty brutal. Pretty brutal, I will not lie. Um, and seeing that five five men and a defense can take down a whole NFL team in the Buccaneers, I mean, this was 49ers team. I'm riding with you. All right, I'm riding with you. Christian McCaffrey, going to need some big things from me, my boy. Going to need some big things from you. Eat the Seahawks defense alive. They got the night game. I'm rooting for you. Get it done, 49ers. All right, plus, I mean, we're in Seattle, so that should be interesting. You know, I'm, I don't know how home and away teams historically do on Thanksgiving, but I'm going to ride with the 49ers. We then also, also, because... We are just so blessed. I think it's just one Friday game. We get a Black Friday game. We actually get a Black Friday game, which is pretty, pretty neat. What am, what am I, what am I looking at right now? I'm trying to, trying to see who, 
who plays on freaking um, Friday, and it's just not popping up. I think it's just the Dolphins and the Jets. Um, oh, I know how to look. I know how to check, guys. I need to go to the uh, see if the Saints are playing. When do the uh, when do the Saints play in Week Twelve? If the Saints play, um, yes. Yeah, so there's only one Black Friday game, um, and that's the Dolphins and the Jets. Dolphins doing some battle with the Jets. A great offense against good defense, and a terrible offense against decent defense. Uh, Dolphins easy pick, easy pick. Do I even have to say anything? This Jets team sucks. I've lost all faith in them after this Bills game. Okay, and Tyreek Hill's been going off. Tyreek Hill's been doing his thing. Tua's been doing his thing. Dolphins should be able to beat the Jets, but sometimes, you know, sometimes in these divisional matchups, some funky things happen. We literally have the best team in the AFC East and one of the worst teams in the AFC East. I favor the best team, personally. That's just me. That's just me. I favor the Dolphins. Heading into our Sunday games at noon, Saints take on the Falcons. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe I have to predict this matchup. Two of the most unpredictable teams every freaking week. Saints, they're both coming off a bye. Falcons on a three-game losing streak. Um, have they played yet? Have the Saints and Falcons played yet this season? They haven't. They haven't. But looking at the Saints' um, wins and losses, all right, they've, they've, lo- they've beaten the Titans, beaten the Panthers, lost to the Packers, lost to the Bucks, beat the Patriots. Um, lost to the Texans, they've lost, uh, lost the Jaguars, beating the Bears, beating the Colts, lost to the Vikings, they, they honestly are in some close matchups, yeah, I'm gonna go with the Saints, I'm gonna go with the Saints in this one, just, you know, I like what I'm seeing from Taysom Hill, Chris Olave, Alan Kamara, personally, the Falcons, I don't like what I've been seeing, keeping it rolling, Jaguars and Titans, yeah, after a performance like that, I gotta go with the Jaguars, after, after such a beautiful showing against the Titans, I got to ride. I got to ride with them. And knowing that the Texans are almost losing to the Cardinals and almost losing to the Bucks, yeah, I favor the Jaguars. You know, but C.J. Stroud should do pretty good. But Trevor Lawrence, you're back in my starting lineup this week. I got you. I got you, my boy. I got you, Trevor Lawrence. Steelers and Bengals do battle in one of my rare times. I'm actually going to pick the Steelers. You know, my roommate, huge Steelers fan, huge, huge Steelers fan, might I add. And um, it's I always like I always enjoy when the Steelers win just because he gets happy about it. You know when you when you see your friends happy, you get happy. But let me just be clear: the loss of Joe Burrow I think is so substantial. I don't know if I can pick the Bengals the rest of the season. All right, they're gonna need to prove to me that they can still hang with some of these teams, and they can prove it this week when they play the Bengals. But I honestly think. I think the Steelers can do this. I think their defense will eat the Bengals alive. Browning, I don't really have much faith in as a backup QB. Um, we'll be riding with these Steelers. Good. Best of luck, Kenny. Kenny Pickett, do something, all right? Everyone hates on you. Pittsburgh boy, show them how it's done. And son of a gun, I, I said earlier I was not going to pick the Titans, whoever they played. And, of course, of course they're playing the Panthers. Of course the Titans are playing the Panthers. Now they are. The Titans are home. Titans are home. How have the Titans been at home this year? All right, they have. They haven't been home since October. Wow! So they spent November on the road, finally getting back home. They beat the Falcons at home, lost to the Ravens at home. Um, come on, come on! I'm trying to, I'm trying to check this out. Don't show me preseason stats. Beating the Chargers at home. Okay, beating Bengals at home. Here to win at home from the looks of it. 
Um, Panthers suck too. Oh my gosh. I'm going to pick the Titans this week. I really hope they win. I cannot believe I'm actually picking the Titans. I just can't pick the Panthers. I just can't pick the Panthers. I actually predicted their win when they won. But I mean, I just physically cannot pick the Panthers over this Titans team. Like statistically, realistically, Titans should be able to get it done. But we'll see what happens. Buccaneers will be taking on the Colts off of a bye week. I think it came just in time for the Colts team. And I like what I've seen from the Colts. I, I honestly do. I think the Colts have been kind of stringing together some wins. You know, the little two-game win streak, 5-5 five and five now. Only my six-point differential. You know what? I'm going to pick them. I'm going to pick the Colts over the Buccaneers. And this could be, this could definitely be just, oh, bias, the Bucks lost. But Colts, Colts win close games. Here's the Bucks lose close games. Another battle of two terrible teams, the Giants take on the Patriots. I'm going to go with the Giants. I'm going to go with the Giants. I think I think I liked what I saw from the Giants this past Saturday. Now, the Patriots were on a bye, I mean Sunday. Um, I saw what I saw Sunday. Patriots are coming off a bye, three-game losing streak, worst offense in the league. Wow, 141 points for That's the worst offense in the league. Ah, now I found you. Um, Giants also a really bad offense. This will be a defensive battle. To be a defensive battle. Um, actually, should I pick the Patriots? Um, I've been picking a lot of home teams. Now that I'm looking at it, should try and spice it up. I mean, Giants did beat the Commanders. They're an unpredictable team. Oh, actually, I'm switching. We're gonna go with the Patriots. I'm gonna pick the Patriots to get it done. Coming off the bye, they've assessed some things. A post bye dub for the Patriots. Going with the Patriots. Browns taking on the Buccaneers. This is a story of two teams right here. This is a story of two teams. Broncos, four-game win streak. Browns, three-game win streak. All right. I, who man. who man. Oh, man, oh, man. This is Bell of the defenses. And you know what? I, I'm kind of a Broncos hater now, so I'm going to pick the Browns. I'm picking the Browns. Dorian Smith, Kareem Hunt, Jerome Ford, Amari Cooper. Carry me to victory. Miles Garrett honestly could probably carry me to victory. Broncos, I don't want to pick you the rest of the season. I, I'm so mad that you guys... I'm so oh, but man, they're kind of on a heater. They're at home. Nah. Screw the Broncos. We're we're rooting for the Browns. Oh, but the Broncos D has been looking good. Now nah, we're riding with the Browns. Rams take on the Cardinals. Mmm, interesting. Rams take on the Cardinals. I don't really know what to make of that. Because the Rams, they somehow beat the Seahawks. I, I don't know how how that occurred. Cardinals have been looking decent as of late. You know what? Actually, I'm going to pick the Cardinals. I'm going to pick the freaking Cardinals over the Rams. If Cooper Cup's not playing, I don't want the Rams to win. So we'll go with the Cardinals. But, um, wow, that's actually a big upset pick for me. Both teams are kind of bad this year. Um, but the Rams have a better chance to rebound than the Cardinals. And this is a divisional matchup. Divisional matchups are usually 50-50. Um, we're definitely in the 330 games now. Bills and Eagles. Ooh, the Bills play the Eagles. And by the way, guys, I'm watching this with no knowledge of what goes down on um, Monday Night Football, no knowledge of what happens on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of the week of any injuries or anything, but I'm locking my picks in because I'm a loyal freaking dude. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. I got to go with the Eagles, though. I got to go with the Eagles. You know, I'm, uh, the, I'm the safety pick for me is the Eagles all season. Same, it's just, it's just I got to do it. I got to do it. I can't pick against the Eagles. They're 8-1. They've gotten past so many good teams. They've gotten so, past so many good teams. They got past the Cowboys. They've gotten past the Dolphins. They got past, honestly, they've gotten past the um, 
Uh, who am I trying to say? The, the Commanders, they gave them a run for their money. The Rams, when they were actually looking good. No, I don't know how the Jets beat them that one week. I think that was a fluke. Eagles have such a tough schedule. They really do. They got to go through the through the mud before they get to the uh, grassy trail. But I think they can beat the Bills. Another big one. Team we're going to be seeing tonight in action on Monday Night Football. Chiefs take on the Raiders. And I understand that the Chiefs, they got upset by the Broncos. They obviously lost the Lions first game of the year. They are If, if everything goes to how I think it'll go, the Eagles will beat them. But I don't see the Raiders beating them. Okay, it is a divisional matchup. Sometimes they split. But yet again, Chiefs are a safe pick for me. Chiefs are a safe pick. Week in and week out. Got to ride with them. Let's get into our Sunday night football game. Ravens and Chargers going to be an absolute heater of a matchup. Unfortunately, I cannot pick the Chargers. I cannot pick the Chargers. I have to pick the Ravens. Lamar has been so efficient. I always like when I see Lamar on Sunday night football. And the Chargers, they keep losing. Close freaking games, all right? Chargers, worst team in the AFC West. Um, Ravens, best team in the uh, AFC North. Um, it's just, you know, here's, here's a team in the Ravens who Lamar Jackson is honestly playing better than he's ever played in his career stat-wise. Stat-wise, Ravens are at the top of their division. They got a ride with them, and that's for Chargers. They, 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 it's the close games they've been losing. This Packers game really lost my faith in the team. Really has me double-thinking everything I think about the Chargers. But, you know, even if they perform good fancy-wise, Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, you know, I'm not picking them. I got a ride with the Ravens. And that's my pick, the Ravens. Alrighty, let's get into Monday night. I've actually been talking about if I'm actually going to drag this out for five more minutes because I've been talking about the NFL for freaking an hour almost. I'm pretty sure a freaking hour. I think at the 40 minute mark, I said, uh, we're, we're about to go into it. And now we're already at the hour and 35 minute mark. Wow. That's pretty crazy. But yes, Monday night football, pencil me in the Vikings take on the Bears. Obviously, I don't have to say I'm picking the Vikings. It's evident every week I'm picking the Vikings, but I'm so picking the Vikings. I this is a, this is a tough game. All right, this is a tough game for us. I won't lie. Seeing what the Bears did, seeing what the Bears did to the Lions, this Bears team has kind of found a little groove. They have kind of found a little groove, and you know, even though we met, we we've already we've already um we already met. We beat them nineteen to thirteen. Now we did have Kirk in that game. So it's hard to judge. It's hard to judge, and we played Baggett. So, um, you know, um, actually, that was the game Justin Fields, I think, got hurt, or did he get benched and Baggett came in? So there was a bit of, bit of controversy there. And Kirk had a great game. Um, Madison was uh, average. We, did we still have? We didn't. We did not have J.J. We did not have J.J., but we got Josh Dobbs now. We're going to work with him. Don't really know what to expect. If I'm being honest, I don't know what to expect from this Vikings team. But I think we can rebound from this loss. I think we can rebound from this loss, come back and beat the Bears. Any confidence the Bears think they have? I don't. I don't I'm, I'm going to make sure the Vikings don't don't give them that confidence. Um, I, personally, my friends were talking about last night. They were saying, you know, we were able to beat the Bears earlier in the year without um, Justin um, Jefferson. So there's no reason to bring him back. Plus, we have a bye week, actually, the first weekend of December, which actually works out kind of good for me because then I don't really have to pay attention on Sunday night football or Monday or Thursday or whatever we would usually play. They're saying, you know, we rest him this week. You know, we don't force him back. We then rest him for the bye week. He will be all all healed up. He'll be all head up, held up. He'll be all healed up heading into week 14 where we take on the Raiders. So I personally like that idea. 
Um, this um, Justin Fields, you know, we've already beaten him. We've beaten him before in the past. He's not an intimidating QB. DJ Moore will probably sauce us up. I won't lie. He's probably the best best part of their team. Obviously, this defense, pretty, pretty freaking good. This Bears D is pretty good. Um, not that good, but still adequate. I'll say it's an adequate defense. I shouldn't have said it's good. It's an adequate, adequate defense. But, um, yeah, my Vikings, we got this. We got this. Ty Chandler's been finding himself. Josh Dobbs still accommodating, still accommodating. Um, it's, it's clear to see when we play a decent defense like the Broncos last night. It kind of gets a bit shaky, a bit wobbly. But um, I trust in him. I trust in you, Josh Dobbs. I trust in the team. We uh, we got this. We got this. So let me recap my Week 12 picks. Um, Lions over the Packers, Cowboys over the Commanders, and 49ers over the Seahawks all on um, Thursday, uh, all on Thanksgiving. I feel like those are all obvious picks. Dolphins over the Jets on uh, Black Friday. I feel like that's an obvious pick. Saints over the Falcons. That's 50-50. Jags against Texans. I feel like the Jags should be favored. Steelers over Bengals. Steelers should win. But it's one of those games where you're like, uh, will they? Titans and Panthers. I well, You couldn't pay me to watch that. Colts and Bucks. Another 50-50. Patriots over the Giants. Just a battle of two bad teams. That's 50-50. I'm going to go with the Pats. Browns and Broncos. It's looking up. It's a pick for me, honestly. Broncos have been looking great, but I'm I'm a Broncos hater. Let's let's go Browns, whatever their chant is. Cardinals over the Rams. Okay, an upset pick, but it is a divisional matchup. Um, Eagles over Bills and Chiefs over Raiders. Just the two juggernauts. After uh, it's pretty much after like Godzilla and Kong do battle. Now this is gonna be their sequel movie where they all come back and do their own thing. That's how I'm gonna see this after this Monday night matchup. Ravens over the Chargers on Sunday night football. Just Chargers lose close games. Ravens win close games. And the Vikings over the Bears just because I'm a Vikings fan and a Bears hater. That's how we freaking do it. And wow, wow, we, we're already an hour and 40 minutes on the podcast. This is a long one. This is a long one. One episode of the week, you get a long one. You get my full undivided attention. And now we have to go over all the action that went down at UFC Vegas 82. That is right. We had a pretty fun fight night, pretty fun fight night. I was able to catch almost all the fights. I think I missed the first one. The first one, I only missed the first fight of the evening, actually. So other than that, I was able to catch all the others, see everything that went down. So I'm going to take a quick break, get some water, but I'll be right back to recap all the action from UFC Fight Night, Brendan Allen versus Paul Craig. And yes, let's uh, let's round this episode out, fellas. Let's get it going. So we kicked off our uh, fight card. It was a long one, 13 fights, I believe. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, three. Yeah, oh, it's 14. 14 freaking fights, actually. You know, on the prelims, I didn't do too bad. I did not do too bad. I got one, two, three, four, five. I predicted five fights wrong, got two wrong, and we had one no contest. We'll talk about it. So we kicked it off with Rafael Estivam making his UFC debut against Charles Johnson. Estevam winning by unanimous decision, 29-28 across the scoreboard, making it Rafael's uh, 13th win. He's now, or no, 12th win, 12-0. He's undefeated now. As for, uh, as for Charles Johnson, a three-fight losing streak, pretty, pretty tough L for Charles Johnson. Good win for Estevam, but it was an interesting one, so... um. Round one, we kick it off. Rafael goes two for four on takedowns for three minutes and 49 seconds of control time. Uh, yeah, just a bunch of control time. Charles did outstrike him, uh, 34-17. Rafael had more significant strikes, so eight to seven. So round one goes to Rafael Estivam. 
Round two, um, Rafael, one of seven on takedowns, three minutes and 55 seconds of control time. Another controlling round for Rafael. Charles outstruck him significantly, 11 to 1, 20 to 8 overall. But uh, yeah, he was, he was down. He was down heading in round three, and he turned it up. He turned it up. Rafael goes 0 for 11 on takedowns, a minute, 39 seconds control time. Charles outstrikes him 62 to 10, 54 to 9. Significantly not enough. You know, he wins round three, but Rafael wins the first two to get it done. And, you know, it's always an awkward, that's always an awkward outcome. When you're looking so dominant, you're looking, you're looking, you're pretty, pretty dominant. And um, you lose the final round of the fight. You know, it's the tale as old as time, changes everyone's perspective, but it's a three round fight, not a one round fight. Rafael, you know, how old is, how old is Rafael? Rafael's 27 years old, 12 and 0 now. Welcome to the flyweight division. As for Charles, yeah, three fight losing streak, been brutally out grappled and uh, like all three of them. Yeah, might be time for him to go. Who knows? Second fight of the evening, we had Trey Ogden versus Nicholas Moda, and oh, this was one of the, this was one of the doozies of the night. So, um, round we'll just go round by round. I'll take it through the fight. Um, Trey Ogden, first round, outstrikes him sixteen to two significantly, thirty five to two overall, one for four on takedowns for a minute and eighteen seconds. Trey Ogden looking excellent in round one over Nicholas Moda. Round two, even better. One for nine on takedowns, not too shabby. Uh, only 23 seconds of control time. But 43 to 12 total strikes, 41 to 12 significantly. Trey was cooking. Round three, Trey was like, I'm done playing. Goes one for three on takedowns, two minutes and 47 seconds of control time. Is winning the fight when he locks in an arm triangle and Mike Beltran, the ref, is telling Nicholas Moda, show me you're still there. Show me you're still there. You know, he keeps saying, he told, tells Nicholas Moda three times in a row, show me you're still there because it looked like he was out. Mike Beltran breaks up the um, hold, um, basically signaling that Trey had won and Nicholas wasn't out. And the fight is overturned. Shockingly, no one knew it was going to be overturned until the judges just read the scorecard. And uh, it's a no contest. Just absolutely terrible. Nicholas Moda was getting destroyed. Trey Ogden was looking great. And um, the ref sadly ruined it. But at the same time, Nicholas Moda was not showing that he was in the fight. If anyone caught this fight, and I wouldn't really encourage you to go back and watch it. Maybe watch the finishing sequence. Um, yeah, just ugh, unfortunate. Just Nicholas Moda just wasn't showing he was there. Trey Ogden dominated him through two and a half rounds, fi- final minutes of the freaking final round. Trey loses. And, you know, this is tough for Trey. He's now one and two with a no contest in the UFC. This should count as a win. Um, he wants his win money. I really hope the UFC gives him his win money. But, I mean, Nicholas Moda is not good. All right, Nicholas Moda is not good. Uh, he's now one and two as well in the UFC, but he's been knocked out. Involved his losses. Trey has only lost decisions in his losses. One of them, split decision. Another one, close unanimous decision. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Tough loss. Tough loss for both these guys. Just a tough loss overall. Not going to count as a loss on your um, on your uh, scorecard, but going to count as a loss just mentally. Just mentally. You know, you know, but um, I hope these guys are back. Don't run this. I hope these guys come back. Don't run this fight back. But uh, Trey Ogden, I see promising things for him. In the future. Didn't even get two damage in this one. Let's bring him back quickly. And then we get into our first performance bonus of the night. This one was an absolute... Nope. I spoke too soon. I'm missing a woman's bantamweight matchup, which I almost forgot. I should have forgot. Uh, Malin Perez <laughs> beats Lucia Pudilov by unanimous decision, improving to 9-2. and two. Her second win in the UFC. 2-1 and one in the UFC. Uh, yeah. 
No, not really much to say. No, literally nothing to say. This one, guy. Can I not lie? Can I just not lie? First off, 29-28, 29-28, 29-27. She wins on all three judges' scorecards. Um, totals for the fight, 42-20 significant strikes in favor of Aileen Perez. 123-41 to 41 in favor of Aileen Perez for total strikes. Two of eight on takedowns. Eight minutes and 36 seconds control time for Aileen Perez. Four minutes and nine seconds for Lucy Pudilova. So that's right. 12 minutes and 45 seconds was on the ground grappling. Round one, Eileen goes one for two on takedowns, three minutes and 49 seconds control time. Just gets in top mount and dominate her. Yep. Round two, one for two on takedowns, four minutes, 26 seconds control time. Dominates from top mount. 66 to two in total strikes. Insane. But then, same as before in the uh, first fight of the prelims, um, Lucy Pudlova manages to reverse her way. In the final round, four minutes control time for her, 36 to 9 total strikes, wins the final round, but lost the first two, and Aileen Perez wins. So pretty similar things between Rafael Estevam and Aileen Perez dominating the first two rounds, losing the final round. It happens. It's awkward. Um, Aileen Perez, you know, she twerked after she won. She got on the side of the cage and twerked. Very odd. I don't know what was going on with that, but she was happy. Um, th- throw her into the women's bandweight division. I don't really care. I don't really care. It was a boring fight. Not worth my time. Let's get into the one I was hoping to talk about, which was our first performance of the night, uh, for performance bonus of the night, getting 50K. Jekka Saragai knocks out Lucas Alexander in one minute and 31 seconds. This one had me buzzing. Jekka's ninth KO victory of his career, 14th career victory overall. Improves the three and one in UFC promotion related events. Jekka looking, looking good. So. Fight gets rolling. Um, you know, Lucas is landing a bit more, nothing really significantly, but he's touching him up. Jekka lands a takedown. All right, lands a takedown. Lucas manages to get right back up, and as he's getting up, Jekka lands a nasty punch, drops him. Lucas goes to get back up, gets caught again, dropped, knocked out cold. Jekka, minute and a half knockout. Incredible stuff from the Indonesian fighter, Jekka Sarah Guy. I'm so happy they brought him back. He, of course, had lost in February, had gotten finished in round two. No one doubted his potential. They bring him back. A huge knockout on the prelims. Wow, now this one revitalized me. I just watched three absolute doozies of a fight, and I get to see this absolute banger from Jekka Sarah Guy. I'm happy for you, man. You are new to the featherweight division, so there's no real sense in saying, oh, you should fight him, you should fight him. Who knows who he'll fight? But um, this should be this should be a good one, good one. Nonetheless, whenever he returns, Jacka, happy for you. As for Lucas Alexander, he's now one and two in the UFC. In both his losses, he's been finished in round number one. So interesting. We'll see if he comes back, but Jacka here to stay. Keeping us rolling, a heavyweight matchup between Mick Parkin and Kayo Machado. Mick wins by unanimous decision, improving to a perfect 8-0. I thought Kayo would get it done, but clearly he's not UFC caliber. 29-28 across the board for the unanimous decision. Um, but yeah, Kayo actually outstrikes Mick, 76-39 significantly, 103-69 to total. But 3 of 10 on takedowns for 6 minutes and 23 seconds is what wins this for Mick Parkin. Round 1, Mick goes 2 for 4 on takedowns for 2 minutes and 45 seconds, but gets significantly outstruck 24 to 7. Pretty notable there. Round 2, Kyle outstrikes him 17 to 9 significantly, but 1 of 3 on takedowns, 3 minutes and 32 seconds. Uh, 35 to 34 toll strikes, Mick was getting it done. So, all came down to the final round. It was a striking battle. You know, even though Kyle outstruck him, they gave Mick the nod, and Mick Parkin 
um, improves to a perfect eight now, as we mentioned. Two and zero in the UFC, also a win on the contender series. As for Kyle Machado, his first uh, UFC loss, he's eight and two now professionally. I mean, honestly, I have just nothing to say. Boring fight. All right, and this is a guy who trains with Tom Aspinall, who has not been competing up to the level of Tom Aspinall. And against guys like um, Kyle Machado and Jamal Pogues, his first two UFC opponents, hasn't shown me too much impressive stuff. Um, and if either of these guys face actual power punchers, I, I doubt they'll last long in the UFC. So good win for you, Mick. But not nothing impressive, nothing to make me go, wow, I want to see you again. None of that. And then we get into some finishes, because guess what? After this fight, the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fights were finishes, and eight of the last nine were finishes. So the, the, the rest of the card was pretty fun. Kicking us off with this finish streak was Christian Leroy Duncan knocking out Dennis Tallulan in round number two. Christian Leroy Duncan's seventh KO victory. He's now nine and one, two and one in the UFC now. Good stuff for him, man. And, you know, round one, it, it, was, it was close. You know, Christian was obviously outstriking Dennis. Outstruck him 38 to 12, 13 to 7 significantly. In round two, though, Christian turned up the pace, 53 to 23 significant strikes, dropped him, was, was laying on him with punches, fell down to the ground, landed some more. That was that Christian Leroy Duncan, the 28-year-old from Gloucester, England, getting his freaking, getting his due. Big, big, big win here. Big win for him. Happy for you. Happy for him. He'll be back in the middleweight division. You know, he had a tough time last time losing a decision to Armin Petrosian. No one doubted his potential. He's back. As for Dennis Tallulan, three-fight losing streak. He's now 1-4 in the UFC. Been finished in all four of those losses. Um, you know, he took this on short notice. He got paid, but he's 10-9 professionally. I'd, I don't think we bring him back. I, I think we cut him UFC. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, Dennis is not really good. Christian, though, is pretty good. He kind of has a walkie style, throwing some awkward, um, awkward, uh, what am I trying to say, awkward movements, awkward punches and stuff. But I am worried that if he faces some higher talented middleweights, which there's a lot of higher talented middleweights, that he uh, won't last too long. But nonetheless, good win for you, Christian Leroy Duncan, getting a finish. Keeping us rolling in the bantamweight division, Jose Johnson gets a round three rear naked chokehold submission with 11 seconds left in the fight over Chad and Hellinger. This is Jose's um, third submission victory of his career, and he improves to 16 and 8 overall. Good win for him. He's gone. Um, he went one and one on the uh, contender series, one and one in the UFC so far. Good win for him. As for Chad, two fight losing streak. That's uh that's tough. That's tough. Um, you know, Jose outstrikes him sixty-three to twenty-six significantly, hundred and forty-one to forty-seven total strikes. Um, more control, even though uh, actually Chad had more control takedown wise, but um let's talk about it. Round one, Jose outstrikes him twenty-three to ten significantly, forty-two to twenty overall. Uh both men landed takedowns, you know, Jose wins round one. Round two, Chad was looking good and kind of lost it towards the end, got a takedown reversed, and was getting beat up on the ground. Round three, Chad landed a takedown, yet again gets reversed, and Jose wins. Honestly, not the most exciting fight. Um, good win for Jose, tough loss for Chad. Not, not really much to say. Not really much to say. A, just a doozy, just a bummer. All right, let's, let's move on to the... Uh, Move on to the next one, because these are just these are two random unranked bantamweights, nowhere near the rankings. But I'll tell you, featherweight matchup, the final prelim of the night. I, I knew this fight should have been on the main card, probably even the co-main event. But I mean, 
Jonathan Pierce and Joy Anderson Brito not disappointing. Joy Anderson Brito submits him in the second round in dominant fashion. My freaking goodness, boys. Joy Anderson Brito's eighth submission victory, man. His eighth submission victory, 16-3 now professionally. Happy for the kid. Uh, Jonathan Pierce, five-fight winning streak snapped. He's now 14-5. and five. Uh, five and uh, five and two in the UFC. Yes, but yeah, round um round one, um pretty back and forth. Pretty back and forth. Round one was very close. Joe Anderson did land more strikes, but it was um actually Jonathan Pierce landed more strikes. I should say, um Joe Anderson landed a takedown, but Jonathan was the one in control, take it just taking advantage of things. And round two, same thing. First off, round two, Jonathan landed one takedown. It was in control the whole time, and I don't know. Jonathan Pierce said like. Jonathan Pierce was on the bottom in round one or something and said, why don't you get up or something? Or why don't you do something? And it came back to bite him because in round two, Joanna Sombrito went to get up, got a hold of Jonathan Pierce's neck and got a guillotine choke standing um, absolutely crazy, great win for Johannesson Brito, his fourth straight, fourth straight finish, second performance bonus in the UFC, that's right, he got the performance bonus, incredible stuff, and he was calling out Dan Ige, man, he wanted Dan Ige, and guess what, let's give him Dan Ige, let's give him Dan Ige, I mean, he looks ready for a ranked opponent, Dan Ige is ranked 13th in the uh, rankings, I mean, I, Johannesson Brito, I'm a fan, I'm a fan, can I have an autograph? Johannesson Brito, I liked everything, and, um, yeah, I liked everything I saw from Jay Anderson Brito in this one. As for Jonathan Pierce, that's tough. That's tough. There's one point Jonathan Pierce had a fight scheduled against um, Bryce Mitchell. And since then, no fights and a loss to Joy Anderson Brito, who uh, I'm high on him now. I'm high on him now. He looked dominant. All right, round two submission. I'm here for it. Let's get into the main card. And by gosh darn it, I could not believe it. I could not believe it. The man, the myth, the legend, my Katibek Ortlebay, the man from, gosh knows where we wrote it down, where's Micah Bike from, Kyrgyzstan, gets his fifth submission victory. He submits Euros Medic in round number two. He moves to an impressive 12-1 professional record. Round two neck crank for him. As for Euros Medic, yeah, he is now 2-2 two two in the UFC. Um, been submitted in both of his losses. Those are also his career losses as well. But man, oh my goodness. 7 of 10 on takedowns in a 9 minute and 12 second fight time period. Wow. Round 1, Euros touches him up on the feet. First off, Euros was looking great on the feet. He was stinging Mike Tebeck. Mike Tebeck said, no, I'm just not going to um, not going to strike with you. Landed 5 of 8 takedowns, 3 minutes and 49 seconds control time. Dominate him. Round two, Mike Beck waited no time. Two for two on takedowns, three minutes and 37 seconds of control time. Dominates him on the mat, submits him. Mike to Mike Beck. Wow. Welcome to the welterweight division, my friend. Welcome. And honestly, let's, let's throw him in the mix. Let's throw him in the mix. Not with the uh, not with the heavy hitters. Not with the big boys. And, um, uh, not the big dogs. But I mean, maybe, maybe some of the small dogs. Because, I mean, Mike Tebeck was super impressive. I was uh, I was loving. I was loving it, man. He had this cool helmet or whatever it was. This cool, whatever you want to call it. But um, uh, I believe he normally fights at lightweight, actually. So he's actually going to go down to 155. One I've heard. And, you know, people have been saying, let's have him fight Matt Frivola, Tiago Moises, Nazareth Hakkaparasarad, Grant Dawson. Some of these unranked guys at lightweight. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it. He's 12-1. He's from Kyrgyzstan. Went in his UFC debut on short notice. He flew across the globe, all right, on short notice to fight this guy. That's the energy I love to see. As for Euros Medic, screw you, buddy. You suck. All right. You suck. 
Next up, our third performance bonus of the night as Amanda freaking Hebus knocks out Luiana Panero in the third round. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. Some ranked straw weight action for you. Um, Amanda was ranked number 10. Luiana was ranked number 9. I'm bumping Amanda up to number 9 in the rankings after this one. This was a close fight. So it was a very close fight. Um, let me just hit you with the totals for the fight. Amanda Hebus, one knockdown, 87 to 55 significant strikes in favor of Amanda, 96 to 56 total strikes in favor of her. Luiana Panero goes one for six on takedowns for only a minute of control time. Round one, Luiana actually outstrikes her. When in round one, Luiana was looking great, was touching her up hard, 25 to 18 significant strikes out, out striking her, looking good. But then round two, a changing of the guard. Amanda Hebus absolutely turns up the pressure. 40 to 18 significant strikes. Same for the total strike totals. I mean, was looking great. Was touching her up. Heading around three. I was looking a bit worried for Luiana Panero. And in round three, Amanda Hebus hits her with a crazy spinning back kick to the face. Hits her up with some more punches. Luiana Panero goes down. Amanda Hebus getting the round three TKO with just over a minute left in the round. Good, good win for Amanda. All right, good win for Amanda Hebus. And after getting dominated by Macy Barber, this was exactly, exactly how you want to follow it up. Good win for um, She's now 12-4 and four professionally. And that was actually Amanda Hebus. What was that number um, KO for her? I'm trying to find my... Trying to find my note sheet. I uh, take such good notes. That was Amanda Hebus' third career knockout victory. Huh. Good win for her. As for Luana Panero, you know, nine-fight win streak snapped. First loss in the UFC. But uh, she'll be back. She'll be back. Amanda Hebus on top of the world right now. All right, she's now going to be ranked number nine in two divisions. That's crazy. If she stays at woman's straw weight, I like a fight with number six, Virna Jandaroba. I really like that. I like a fight with number six, Virna Jandaroba for... As for Luiana Panero, fight down. Someone like Tabitha Ritchie. Someone like Tabitha Ritchie you can take on. But good win. Good win for her. Keeping us rolling along. Um, Peyton Talbot submits Nick Aguirre in round number three. 58 seconds in. Peyton Talbot getting his first ever career submission victory. Good win for the kid. And I mean, he's only 25 years old. Coming off the Contender Series, winning his UFC debut, I'm happy for you, man. I'm happy for you. But it was no easy going. All right, don't be don't be misstrewed by the totals. I mean, Peyton Talbot, 28 to 5 significant strikes, 58 to 18 total strikes over Nick Aguirre. Nick goes 2 for 10 on takedowns, but round one, round one, Nick Aguirre, 4 minutes and 50 seconds of control time. He was just holding Peyton against the fence, taking him down. Oh, actually, one of four on takedowns, took him down. But no damage, no damage. All control, I believe. Did he have one submission? No, he didn't even have a submission attempt. Round two, um, Nick was trying to take him down, but Peyton was able to reverse it, get on top, land some punches. Was looking pretty good, looking like he was going to get finished. Round three, Nick Aguirre going for takedowns. Peyton's able to get around it, take his back, rear naked choke, hold him. Peyton Talbot, welcome to the UFC. As for Nick Aguirre, all right, 0-2 in the UFC. He sucks. Nick Aguirre is actually not a good fighter, I'm pretty sure. But uh, good win for Peyton. I mean, I'm, I'm happy for Peyton Talbot. What is he? He's a perfect um, 7-0 now. 7-0 with six career finishes. Good win for you, Peyton Talbot. I'd have given you a performance bonus. You know, I picked you. I was rocking with you. I liked what I saw, man. Uh, good win for Peyton Talbot, the young kid getting it done. Keep your name on him at Bantamweight. He could be the next Chase Hooper. 
And you may be like, who's Chase Hooper? Well, he's the guy who fought next. He fought Jordan Leavitt. And by gosh darn it, Chase Hooper freaking won. Jordan Leavitt, you suck. Why are you kidding me? I don't understand Jordan Leavitt. He is a Michael Johnson type fighter. Loses to good beats good guys, loses to bad guys. I, I don't understand this at all. Um, Chase Hooper submits Jordan Leavitt in two minutes and 58 seconds from round number one. Uh, from the get-go, you know, no striking. Jordan Leavitt going for some takedowns. Chase Hooper reversing it. Good grappling from the Monkey King. Jordan Leavitt and the dream Chase Hooper. But yeah, Chase Hooper manages to uh, somehow reverse. Jordan Leavitt, I thought, was going to submit him. Chase Hooper reverses it, takes his back, locks in a rear naked chokehold, and that was that. That was that. Chase Hooper now on a two-fight winning streak at lightweight since moving up 10 pounds from 145. Good job, Chase. Good job. You got a little girl at home or something, a kid on the way. I'm happy for you. As for Jordan Leavitt, he is uh, just a win-loss fighter. He's an average fighter. Uh, losses now to Claudio Puelas, Patty Pimblett, and Chase Hooper. Wins over uh, Trey Ogden, Matt Sales, and Victor Martinez. So 3-3. Three and three. Uh, actually, you know what? He also has some other wins, but they don't even matter because guess what? You just lost to Chase freaking Hooper. 24 years old, his sixth career submission. Good win for Chase Hooper, man. What's his professional record? 13-3-1. Good stuff for him. Uh, n- not not really a ranked fighter. I don't know what's next for Chase, but uh, just a casual unranked light well, lightweight. That, that'll do Chase Hooper good. Co-main event, we're almost done, ladies and gentlemen. Almost done. My throat's a-burning. All right, I'm still coming over a sickness low-key. I'll be mucusy. My throat's a-burning, but we're pushing through it. Walterweight co-main event as Michael Morales. That's right, Michael. What's his middle name? What's his nickname? Oh, he does have a nickname. I know his Instagram profile is like him as Michael Morales. Who's uh, He's like the uh, black Spider-Man from the uh, MCU or whatever. It's pretty funny. Michael Morales wins a unanimous decision over Jake Matthews, 30-27, Oh, 29-28, 29-28. Close matchup. Not really. Not really. Michael Morales just outstriking him. I had him winning every round. 84 to 57 total strikes and significant strikes. The exact same. Both men attempted one takedown that didn't land. Round one, Michael outstrikes him 26 to 14. Round two, 36 to 18. And round three, Jake Matthews outstrikes him 25 to 22. Not much to say. Honestly, literally nothing to say. You know, Michael Morales improves the 4-0 in the UFC, 16-0 professionally. So good, good win for Michael Morales. Jake Matthews is uh yeah, been win-loss since 2021. Nothing to say. 19 and 7. Jake Matthews, still still a young gun. Jake Matthews, still a young gun. 20, 29 years of age. Uh, Michael Morales, 24 now. 16 and 0. Call your shot, man. Call your shot. Um, I'll actually I'll actually give Michael Morales um number 14, Michael Chiesa. I like that fight. Or number 13, Neil Magny, depending on what happens with Mike Mallett. I don't know. A lot of options. For Michael Morales, I like the Michael Chiesa matchup. Michael Chiesa's on his way out of the division. Um, you could even have him fight the loser of Sean Brady and Calvin Gaslam too. But uh, Michael Morales looks good, hits hard. He's got the got the build of someone who could be a UFC champion. But pretty boring, pretty boring co-main event. But uh, let's cap off this episode, this long, fun episode, with the main event of the night, which was Brendan Allen versus Paul Craig. And guess what? Brendan Allen getting a performance bonus with his round three rear naked choke submission of Paul Bearjew Craig. I'm as happy for all in Brendan Allen, man. I know some people hate on him for his cockiness, but I love it, man. I freaking love it. Uh, round one, Brendan Allen not scared of the ground at all. Two for two on takedowns, two minutes and 49 seconds control time. Outstrikes from 20 to 7 total, 14 to 3 significantly. A 73% uh, striking rate, too. Very impressive. 
Brendan trying for some submissions. Paul was trying to throw up some submissions. Brendan Allen wins round one. Not much. Round two, even more dominant. I mean, Paul Craig goes to his back, and Brendan Allen just dominates him. Four minutes and 47 seconds of control time with no takedowns. Okay. Uh, Brendan Allen outstrikes him 28 to 4 total, 14 to 1 significantly. I mean, Brendan Allen was dominating. Busted up too with some shots. All right, he was landing some big elbows, landing some big punches. This was all Brendan Allen. Round three, all right. Yet again, a failed takedown from Paul Craig turns into Brendan Allen reversing it, locking in a rear naked choke, and it was all in, or better yet, all over for Paul Craig. I mean, Brendan Allen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the freaking division. Six fight win streak, five rear naked chokehold victories. Of that. That's insane. That's insane. He has six in the UFC. Seven if you include the contender series. I mean, Brendan Allen is here to stay. My freaking goodness. Brendan Allen, you're a stud. You're a freaking stud. He was ranked number 10. I'm moving him up to seven, personally. I mean, okay. Let me look at the guys ahead of him. Jack Hermanson, who honestly, I can't remember the last time Jack Hermanson won. Maybe 2022. Hamza Chemaev, who hasn't beaten a single guy at middleweight, who's ranked. Roman Dolodice at 7, who hasn't won a fight since 2022. Actually, let's move him up to 6. Paulo Costa hasn't beaten any. He beat Luke Rockhold. Actually, this is a fun fact. Paulo Costa holds no wins over fighters currently on the UFC roster. All right, absolutely insane. I'd also move Brendan Allen up to, like, number 6 spot. Okay, he said he'll fight anyone next. He obviously wants to fight um, Sean Strickland. There's a lot of Sanya, the big dogs. But um, I like a fight with uh, Paulo Costa and Marvin Vittori. I like either of those guys. Good matchups for him. Marvin Vittori matchup really would find interesting. Could be a tough test for him. But, man, Brendan Allen, he brought the fire. He brought the flair, and he wants purple shorts. All right? He's kind of going. He's worn green shorts, yellow shorts, red shorts, blue shorts, white shorts, black shorts. He wants to wear purple shorts. I mean, I say do it, UFC. You gave Bryce Mitchell camo shorts, and he barely even fights anymore. Brendan Allen has been being as active as he can. He's been a stud. And this was actually Brendan Allen's third win of the year incredible Brendan Allen I am such a fan I can't wait to see what's next for you as for Paul Craig um actually what was this this was Brendan Allen's uh 14th career submission incredible Paul Craig um now one in three his last four he's now one and one at middleweight he's currently ranked number 13 I just don't see what to do with him probably fight an unranked fighter or something how about, uh, I don't even know what to do with Paul Craig. I'm going to be honest. I have no idea what to do with Paul Craig. We'll see what the UFC decides. But man, Brendan Allen stealing the show with that performance bonus. Good win for him. And he capped off the night pretty good. You know, his win kind of saved my energy. It brought me alive for my Saturday night where I went out with the boys, had a couple of drinks at the bar, good vibes. And um, yeah, Brendan Allen was able to get me going with a big win to start off my uh, Saturday night. And yeah, that was all she wrote. Um, yeah, good times, good times. That was our final event of November. Ladies and gentlemen, we had some fun memories in November, some lame memories like Almeida and Lewis. But um, yeah, overall, pretty, pretty good. Stars born in Brendan Allen. We look ahead to December where we kick it off with a massive, the biggest fight night of the year, the biggest fight nights of all time, Benil Darius versus Armin Tuzukri. And in the main event at UFC Austin, December 2nd, coming at you from Texas. Uh, Dan Hooker and Bobby Green in a five-round co-main event fight. Going to be a banger. Rob Font welcomes Davis and Figueredo, former flyweight champion to the division. Sean Brady welcomes former middleweight uh, title challenger Kelvin Gaslam to the welterweight division. Khalil Roundtree Jr. and Azamat Mirzakhanov, two power punchers at light heavyweight. You got Clay Guida. You got Misha Tate. You got um, 
contender series uh, star Zach Reese. I mean, Dracar Claus, Steve Garcia. It's just the the stars. It's just this is going to be an incredible card. It, it's got to right before my finals week, so I kind of got to be uh, on point. But I'll I'll make some time to watch UFC Austin. That should be a fun one. Um, but yeah, that goes down later on. And yeah, that's all I got, folks. That's all I got. We uh, we had a fun one. We had a fun one today. I, I enjoyed this episode. It was a long one. You know, my throat's feeling it. I'm feeling it. Got blow my nose. Get some water. I got still got a freaking. I gotta um eat dinner. I gotta eat dinner. Maybe play some Fortnite with the boys. I said I was gonna start my IBE paper, but um I did work on my management paper today, so I don't think I'm gonna start my IBE paper. Actually, I'm actually gonna erase that off my uh, whiteboard where I say stuff I'm going to do so that I don't feel unproductive. So I'm kind of trying to be mentally positive. But yeah, did a whole bunch of things. Uh, movie Monday, a lot of NFL, a lot of NFL. Some new UFC knows, all sorts of all sorts of fun articles and stuff about all sorts of things. Hoist, holler at your boy. I love your drink. I'd love to support you. I'll, I'll get your brand out there. I'll wear Hoist merch till I die, all right? And that goes for any company. I'm here to support you. Also, check out evergrowingcoibe.com. Uh, we're going out of business in like a couple weeks, so um, get a sweatshirt while you can. I'll send you a cute little sticker with it too. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for spending your Mondays with me. Actually, probably probably not even Mondays. I mean, I'm spending my Monday with you, but you can spend any day with me because you can listen on any single site where podcasts are available. Even YouTube, we post our audios on there. Have a great weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you next time on the Surprise Jab Podcast. Have a good one.